time around it'll be in obscure it'll be um ilsa she wolf of the ss and last house on dead end street hey j-dog why don't you tell them what uh we're bringing them in vhs vault all right it's blood beach baby yes we're going back to blood beach buddy yeah one of my favorites i know uh tony claimed it was an absolute piece of shit but <laughs> he doesn't know good cinema well, how can you not love Burt Young and John Saxon in one in a movie together? Like, I think it's an unstoppable cop combination. Like, some may say, "Well, Saxon and Atkins, fuck that." Burt Young, man, is is the ultimate gumshoe, man. Like, it's the only time he's ever played a gumshoe detective, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. He gave an awesome performance, and like, he reminds me of like detectives, you know, from that late seventies, early eighties kind of era. So. Yeah, no, he did a real good job. I'll get to what I thought of it later mm-hmm. on, because, yeah, it's awesome. But, yeah, like, I'm a huge fan of this movie. I got two original one-sheet posters for it, and I'm always campaigning Blood Beach. So, yeah, it's going to be a pleasure talking about that in the VHS vault. And I don't know, we got, I guess, like you said, uh, the obscure. It's kind of oddball movies, but they're really greasy, and they're really deprived. And, yeah, I think they fit in good with the whole concept of the show, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, as far as, like, uh, grease-wise, they're, they're pretty greasy, but, uh, yeah, they really don't have anything, like, usually we try to pick, like, something, like a director or a star or something that the two movies have in common, and, um, of course, we've, we have a lot of episodes we have, like, planned, but it's just been, we've been fucking around on, on both our ends and haven't really gotten packages out e- to each other with the movies we want to cover, so... Mm-hmm. To say the least, um, we were scrambling for something, but, you know, every two weeks we are going to bring you guys something, and, uh, you know, that's kind of the case this week. 
Yeah, well, and these are films I never hear talked about. Like, uh, I, mean, I, I know there's some fans of uh, Ilsa movies out there, but I never really hear any podcasts cover them. And yeah, like Last House on Dead End Street, I know it's got a cult following. So, and well, there's I, probably a lot of people that listen to our show that have never seen it. So yeah, I'm just glad to be able to spread the grease. Definitely, I I think the main problem um, on why these films aren't covered is because I think they're all, they're both highly out of print. Ilsa, I think, is out there in, like, many bootleg underground DVD fashions that I think they probably well, they stole the original. Release. Yeah, well, what I yeah. think is happening is a lot of these companies are, um, they'll, they're stealing that original um, restoration, the DVD restoration, and just putting out their own DVDs. And at this point, you can't get that original... <laughs> print that was out you can really only get bootlegged shit and i think sometimes you don't even know if you're going to get a vhs bootleg or or what Mm -hmm. now um last house on dead end street was put out by barrel entertainment in i think 2000 or 2001 and that baby went out of print real quick and that thing's jam-packed full of extras I don't have the film. I don't know. Do you have the Barrel Entertainment DVD? No, I got a DVD-R I got sent to be from a good buddy of mine. He hooked okay. me up with it. Actually, just in the last few months, I've finally been able to grip a copy of this. haven't been able to find it on VHS, which I would love to because I know there is a special release in Canada. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah gr- I had some v- v- Oh, sorry, buddy. I, I was just going to say I had some VHS hunters that had me on the look for them trying to find it for them they were saying they're going to pay boku dollar if i could find them one yeah um i think greg may hooked me up with this i think we did a trade for like um savage he wanted a copy of savage streets and i ripped him a copy mm-hmm. of that and he hooked me up with it but it's not the barrel i was hoping like i thought he had the barrel entertainment dvd so i thought he was going to send me that bad boy with at least like audio commentary but it was it is the um, like a dvd rip of that print but it's not. It doesn't have any special features or anything like that. So, but it's still a good, oh, okay. decent-looking print. I don't know if that's the one you have. Yeah, mine's a nice print. Mine's just off a torrent. Like it's just a download off the internet. Mm-hmm. But just a quick second here, since you mentioned uh, Greg May there, I just wanted to give him a shout out. Actually, like I know we're both big, huge Philadelphia Flyer fans, and he lives in the Philadelphia area. And mm-hmm. he was at the game the other night. Actually, he was like telling me, he's like, "Oh fuck yeah, it was awesome!" Like when they beat uh, Washington in overtime. Oh wow! Okay. Saying, yeah, he's like, "Oh, I was thinking about you when I was at the game and shit." And fuck yeah, I was watching that game. I would have been kick ass to be there. I just wonder if he seen the game last night against Ottawa with all like the big scraps in the third period. Like shit was like WrestleMania, man. I think there was like six <laughs> fights in the third period. Wow. One after another after another. Yeah, it was true Broad Street Bullies hockey. Like, what if is you're it, a fan or, of the Flyers. Is it like a rivalry, the teams? I mean, the, the team they were playing, was it like some kind of big rivalry? Or? <clears throat> well, the thing, they play, they were playing the Ottawa Senators, and they got this, uh, like, some animosity from years back when, like, Donald Brashear played there and shit. And, like, they, they broke the record for most penalty minutes ever in an NHL game. And I got that game on tape, actually. But there was fight after fight after fight after fight in the third period. Like, there must have been a dozen fights. Like, at the end of the game, the benches, I think one had three guys on it and the other one had four. Like, everyone, the, the goalies. It's like a Royal Rumble, fought. huh? Like it's, it's awesome. If you're a hockey fan, like, I get hard watching this shit. Well, you Canucks are like diehard. Oh, fuck shit, yeah. aren't it's you? Like last man standing. Yeah, I know. Oh, uh, yeah, I got a, 
I know a lot of people here in, in my neck of the woods are, are pretty big into hockey too. So, I mean, it's a nor, any northern state you live in, I think people are pretty fucking diehard about it. So, we've got the wings here, Red Wings. So, I had a buddy that was diehard Red Wings fan. Like, I'm not really into sports really. I mean, I occasionally watch wrestling, but I don't really consider that a sport. So. But That's gotch wrestling. Fucking wing, Red Wings fans are pretty fucking passionate too, so. Mm. I, I just want to add in, fuck the Red Wings. I hate <laughs> Detroit Red Wings. Sorry, buddy, but That's they beat right. the Flyers in the 97 final. And That's yeah. all right, man. But yeah, me, I'm, 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 for some reason, I'm a, like, fuck them. <laughs> I'm a huge Philadelphia fuck fan that. of all sports, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I got a Flyers tattoo tattooed over my heart because... Yeah, they never let me down. I got a big Phillies World Series tattoo on the back of my leg. And Fuck yeah. It's good times, I've man. I've seen that. I think I've seen that tattoo. Shit, yeah, it's boss. I just, but I, I, I just wanted to give Greg May a shout-out because, yeah, he's a big fan of the show and a Flyers fan, so mm-hmm. that needed some talk. Yeah, and, and you know, hopefully uh, the Flyers do well this year, huh? You got your fingers crossed, I bet. Uh, well, they're they're the already kicking ass, huh? They're They're already the best team in the league, so favorite to win the cup awesome this might be the year i'll run naked through the streets if they win the cup now uh now weren't they were they weren't they set up to win the cup last year but lost or i know you were just eh, fuck i almost strung up about that actually i was on suicide watch for a few days and <laughs> it was pretty nasty but yeah the fucking faggot chicago they fucking beat them in the finals bird shit goal like they scored on in overtime i could have saved that because i played goal when i played hockey <laughs> I, when, I, when I see that, like, I literally could have. I was a pretty good goalie. I was like, you got to be kidding me. That won the cup. Like, I was pissed off. I, uh, it was lucky no one was around that I didn't like because I probably would have stretched them out. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling pretty rowdy. Fuck yeah, buddy. So um, I guess yeah. we're all a little off topic, but that's all right. It's nothing to yeah. hockey talk. But um, we got a listener question. Actually, we've got. We've got a listener question, and then we have, like, a comment on the uh, Facebook page. Um, I guess I'll get into the... I guess we get into the comment on the Facebook page real quick first here. Um, we've hey, got shit, a, I don't have either of them punched up, so... That's all right. Talking. Yeah. Um, uh, a guy by the name of Zombie Fan Reviews, I'm guessing he uh, reviews zombie films, uh, wrote in... Uh, I think he was on... I think he was on the Furox board under Zombie Fan. If I if it's the same guy I'm thinking of, he was like a oh, big what? supporter of the Furox and on the message board. Yeah, I think he was on the message board under that name too. Okay, all right. Well, um, he was just wondering, in a nutshell, if um possibly we might do um like a top ten on this show on the most badass VHS um box art. If that's a possibility down the road, he goes on to say, some of the movies from back in the day have such awesome covers, which I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck, yeah. That, that would be hard to... That would might have to be, like, a whole show dedicated to that, because to try to break down ten, like... I'd like to do a VHS show, actually, about rare VHS, some of the best VHS covers, shit like that. I don't know. It's something for down the road, definitely, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I come across these, um, I guess you could say they're like uh, VHS cover little websites that just feature the cover art, and you can look at them. I think I found one for Canon that had, like, every Canon VHS cover ever. Um, yeah. 
So, I mean, it's definitely an interest of mine. And, you know, a lot of these companies back then, what you got to understand is, you know, yes, there were like, you'd have, you know, some companies, like uh, bigger companies, like, I don't want to say Paramount or, but like Universal or something, that um, they weren't too keen on the VHS bandwagon when it, like, broke. And I think a lot of these companies went with um, other distributors. So some of this, co- some of these VHS cover art, like, if they went with a certain distributor and that distributor went under, that was maybe the one time you got to see that mm-hmm. particular cover, you know? De- definitely, yeah. A lot of the cover arts, like, as the titles, like, copyrights ran out and they are picked up by different uh, distributors, like you said. They The cover art would change a lot of times. Like, some of it was exclusive to certain areas. Like, some Canadian releases had different cover art than U.S. And everyone mm-hmm. knows, like, about the European and the, and the Japan and, like, the... All the different Asian shit and, like, the Spanish, those are all some really kick-ass cover arts. Those seem to be better than the ones we get, actually. Yeah, like, some of, of these some of these covers, like, are so cool that it makes me want to, like, almost go over to my local print shop and just take the picture over there and have them blow it up and, and get some of these made into posters because they're so badass and they deserve, mm-hmm. they deserve an, another life after. I, I, you know, another thing... Anybody out there listening that does posters and stuff, we'd love to see some of these old video cover blown up into poster size. I would definitely buy some of them. So, shit, yeah, even mini, even mini size posters. Yeah, mini size poster, or even like I would even rock like these this cover art if you threw it on a T-shirt would be fucking awesome too. Even if it's got the Canon logo, I don't give a fuck. You know, I'd mm-hmm. rock it any day. So, fuck yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, think... there's so so many kick-ass. Sorry to cut you off, no, buddy, that's all right. but, like, I don't know, like, just, like, when, when people talk about VHS, that's what brings back the memories, is the cover art, and, like, the, just the sensations you get from looking at them in, like, the mom-and-pop stores and stuff, like, yeah, it's definitely worth a show. Yeah, I mean, I think we've mentioned it before when we were talking about mom-and-pop shops. I don't know if it was on the uh, Sleepaway Camp episode. I think it was. But, I mean, I used to go in and, you know, my folks would be, whatever, browsing for videos. And we might be in there for a half hour. And that's all I would do. I would just spend time just running up and down the aisles looking at each and every little bit of cover art. Maybe just stand there and glare at it for, like, five minutes. And it would just etch this uh, image into my brain, you know. I'd stand by the swinging saloon doors, like by the porno section, and mm-hmm. wait for the raincoat types to come in and out. So uh, when the doors flapped, I could like catch a little glimpse in there. That's that's what I'd be doing. Oh fuck my mom and pop shop! I just go in. <laughs> like, like I don't know. I guess they didn't even give a fuck. <laughs> I suppose. <yeah. laughs> Apparently, yeah, no, I, I did go in there once, and they shook me out of there. So oh yeah, I, I had a mom and pop I, shop I, that I had, had to be like, a little more uh, stealth. <laughs> did they have a warning on there, like on the door, like? Because usually they'll enforce it if they've got, like, the warning. Yeah, it was, like, no one under 18 allowed, and then there was, like, a little thing. you got to be this tall to come in, so to keep the midgets out. We didn't mm-hmm. have any midgets going in there. Yeah, nobody likes midget porn. Yeah. No, I, fuck no. I had a mom-and-pop shop that had, like, signs up, and they actually had a um, a glass window built in so they could they could actually see who was in there. Um, from the make sure no one's jerking off in the porn. Oh, I guess. Yeah, I never thought of that. Maybe that too. Weird. <laughs> but um, yeah. Again, like, what's that, buddy? I said, I said, yeah, possibly. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, 
So ha- I'm sure it happens. But um, we got another question here from um, Derek West, and he writes in to say, Hey, boyos, I've written you again with a few questions and comments. I remember on the Ferox hearing about a few covers or movies that freaked you out as kids. One flick that I find hilarious today but really scared the piss out of me as a young lad was Leprechaun. So my first question is, I was wondering what movies you guys prefer, Child's Play or Leprechaun? Mm, I guess I'll say Child's Play, because I watched Leprechaun not too long ago, and it was fucking stupid. Mm. Sorry, Derek. Uh, hmm. that's, that's not even really a tough question for me, really. Like, uh, the Leprechaun movies, I kind of liked them when I was a kid, but they're pretty hokey and corny. That's not the gory ain't even really that good. But uh, the Child's Play movies, on the other hand, like, I think those are darker, like, more gritty. I don't know, like, the whole uh, serial killer the concept, like, what was it, Charles Lee Ray or something was the mm-hmm. serial killer's name? Yep, yeah. Yep. And some of, like, the some of the one-liners Chucky has, like, when, he, when the old lady sees him in the elevator and it's like, ooh, what an ugly doll, and he says, like, something like, fuck you, bitch, or something. Right. Like, that shit, I loved that when I was a kid. I seen this shit in the movie theaters. Actually, I forgot to mention, I got a one-sheet poster for Child's Play, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> I forgot to mention that one. Yeah, but, yeah, it's like, I don't know. Part two, I seen that at the drive-in movie theater. Like, what was, or no, part three, I seen the one at the military academy. Mm-hmm. With, like, with the weird little black kid that was, I don't know, he was screwing the doll or whatever. He was fucking just fascinated with it. Yeah, he was going to be the next one uh, that, that, that Charles was going to try to take his soul. Yeah. Oh, pervert Charles Lee Ray. But, yeah, part one and two, like, I don't know. The, the rest of them, like, I got, I got them all. I got... I think I got the last two on Blu-ray, actually. Of and then Child's, I got, like, Play. Child's Play. Yeah, I got all the Leprechaun movies, too, like, except once he went to space and to the ghetto and yeah. shit. Like, once he went to go buy crack and shit, I didn't he care. He went to the him. hood twice, I think. No, fuck, he got hooked on the crack the first time he went. He had to go back. <laughs> the only thing <laughs> I remember from score some rock. from Leprechaun in the Hood was when he, he smashed that guy's bong and stabbed it into him. He was, like, taking bong rips and shit. That's all I remember from that one. But it, yeah, I don't even really remember those. So. As far as um, like comparing the two franchises, I think Leprechaun right out the gate was trying to be comedic, and I think it was coming off the Nightmare on Elm Street, like Freddy jokes and one-liners and stuff. Whereas Child's Play kind of tried to come in the gate mm-hmm. as something serious and then became kind of cheesy and hokey. So, yeah, my, my pick yeah. is always going to be with Child's Play. Oh, definitely. Like, who directed that? Was, what, that was Tom Holland, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. I, I know he wrote it. Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. Fright Night? No, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yes. We're just kind of, like, sitting here thinking to ourselves. Yeah. Like, mm, oh, yeah, dead air. Fuck. Forgot I was recording a show here for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess that'd be a good answer for the first part of the question. Yeah, child's play all the way, man. Like, if you were scared of the Leprechaun VHS cover, man, like, I don't, I don't know about you, D. No, I'm just busting your balls. <laughs> Watch well, some of that stuff I sent you, buddy. It'll harden you up a bit. Well, he also goes on to ask if we'd ever do, like, a top ten of these these films, I guess. Or, uh, no, he goes on to ask if we'd do, like, a top ten of 
Friday the 13th because he's been um, watching a lot of Friday the 13th and as far as like deaths. I think I think you guys did a uh, Friday the 13th top 10 death on uh, Furox, didn't you? I, th- I was thinking about that too, and I think we did because I know we did uh, Friday top 10 bitches of the Friday the 13th, like the oh. top 10 chicks. Like, okay, yep. And then we did... Uh, Maybe that was it. We did the Savini, top 10 Savini gore effects where I think we mentioned a few, but I think I remember, I, I remember mentioning like the, the deaths, like with the sleeping bag against a tree and a bunch of other shit. So I don't know, we might have covered it, but I'm sure, uh, I'm sure if we did, D would have knew he, cause he was following the Ferox. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll have to, I'll have to look, look through my notes and see if we ever did that or whatever. Yeah, I think you guys did something like that. Yeah. But- I don't know. As far yeah, as this this show goes, I think um, we're gonna try to stay like more obscure and like underground. But I mean, if if our show happened to fall like um, near like like leading up to like a, a Friday the Thirteenth actual day like that weekend, we might be able to do something like that. I've been thinking about it, but uh, I don't know. It probably might be just one show dedicated to the the franchise, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I suppose that could be a possibility, like you said, if uh, one of the episodes happened to fall close to Friday the 13th, but I guess it would be Saturday the 14th, but those mm-hmm. movies are shit, so we're not going to review those. But yeah, we could dedicate a show possibly to Friday the 13th. The more obscure, maybe like uh, like with twists, like Friday the 13th, like we'll talk about the titty factors and different th- stuff that hasn't been talked about in the films maybe or something, instead of yeah. rehashing all the same <laughs> shit. Yeah, I would love to like delve um, into all the effects artists that that worked in the franchise on the franchise because Savini is not the only one, and there's a lot of great effects, and those films are effects driven. So, oh shit, yeah, like it, it could be a show in itself, the tits and the effects, because really mm-hmm. that's what the shows were. So, right, yeah, there, there's an idea. Definitely. Cool. So that's a possibility down, down the road, Derek, and um, you know. Yeah, we'll we'll see something. You know, you'll see something down the road because we are um, Friday the Thirteenth fans. So, mm. oh shit, yeah, that's the stuff. That's the stuff I cut my teeth on when I was a little kid. Like, there's five year old. Like, I was named Jason. My name's Jason, so I kind of related to him. And like, when I was five, I used to run around with like, yeah, like a Friday the Thirteenth cardboard mask that my mom made me, and cardboard machetes and cardboard uh, butcher knives with. Like uh, <laughs> marker red blood on the end, and I was a little weirdo. Yeah, yeah. we're kind of like the mongoloid, Jason. <laughs> yeah, fuck that! I was tater sack, Jason. You're like fuck that, mongoloid, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're lucky you're in Michigan, buddy. <laughs> so uh, you had some other, yeah. uh, I guess, news on, yeah. on the gym, huh? Mm. The old physio oh, shit, workout. Yeah. Yeah, I've been oh. busting out the physio now daily. It's mm-hmm. going good. Like I'm, fuck, I'm gonna be ripped like Lou Ferrigno pretty soon. Building your like uh, house. Building your knee back up or whatever. It's an it's a knee injury, right? Yeah, I'm building up my balance, my strength. I'm also doing upper body and this and that. But uh, I'm getting some like it's it's like a lot of old people and women and stuff in this gym and me like all tattooed up with like. I got my Lenny Lies machete head zombie tattoo on my elbow and like my Karen Cooper on my forearm and all that funky shit. And I've been rocking like my, uh, well, I really, I don't have any shirts that aren't horror related, so I'm kind of fucked. 
So I've been like rocking motel hell and well, you got the flyers. You got some flyers gear, right? Yes, I did wear one of them the other one day, but that shit's dirty. I got to do some laundry. Yeah, I'm gonna wear my maniac shirt next week. Gonna really shock them. Old yeah, bitches. the the uh, knife and the scalp there with the boner in the pants. Is that the one? Is, the, it, is that the yeah, artwork yeah, yeah. down there? Yeah. Yeah, with the sock stuffed in the front of Joe Spinell's pants. Didn't know if it was the poster poster art or maybe another rendition for a T-shirt. I know I've seen some awesome Maniac T-shirts out there. So, oh fuck yeah, there's a lot of variations of them. But yeah, like I've been like rocking podcasts and listening to like I don't know Fright Night soundtrack and shit like that as I'm on the treadmill and rocking out my Savage Street soundtrack MP3s and. I just wanted to mention, I was listening to the new Profondo Cinema today, actually, when I was there, and damn, that's a good episode. I only got halfway through, but fuck it, I was really enjoying, like, the one-sheet talk, and, like, oh, uh, I think it was Jay Scott was, like, busting a nut when he heard, uh, Axel, I think it was Axel A that had the Knight Riders one-sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was so He's, jealous. <laughs> no fucking ways. It's like, I think it ruined his day. He was like, what the fuck? I, yeah, really shit in his cornflakes. Like, poor guy. Like, I want a Knight Riders one sheet too. But I don't know. I got a lot of the most of the Romero stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I'd definitely like to pick up that Knight Riders poster as well as any of the Romero posters. Because I mean, that would be just fucking awesome to have on your wall. I don't have any of them. I I usually don't go for reprints. So mm-hmm. I'm the same way. I mean, if it's something like, uh, something that I know is probably far out of my reach, like the Dawn of the Dead original one sheet, like, there's no way I'm shilling out $300 for that. I might pick up a reprint, but as far as everything else, um, like Axel said on his show, uh, you know, that the prices do come down, and once in a while you run across something, so. Mm-hmm. Well, for sure. That's the same way I got all my posters. It's the same way Axel got his. I just scour eBay and wait for the deals, like. I got Season of the Witch poster, Martin poster, Day of the Dead, two of them, different kinds, like lots of lots of the Romero Night 90 remake, and the list goes on. That just no Dawn of the Dead, no Night Riders. So. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if you guys are into posters and shit like that. I suggest you check out the new Profondo Cinema show because I've only, I'm only halfway through it, but fuck, it was awesome. I was getting a real kick out of it. Like Axel and Jay Scott, they probably the best podcast on the internet. I could go as far to say is enjoyment for me anyway. It's the only one I still listen to, so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really the only one I listen to as well, and um, they're very in-depth with the information. I mean, anybody can put a flashy show together, I mean, of course, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but uh, these guys come with the facts, and, uh, you know, this 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 poster, and I know they cover Horror Hound too as well on that episode, I would say yeah. it's at the same caliber as their um what was it like a dead their dead format uh episode you caught that one didn't oh, yeah. you Yeah. Oh, I guess I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was another good one. That's what they just doing a lot of different stuff keeping it fresh so. Yeah. Give them a listen. It's definitely <laughs> refreshing. Yeah, and definitely give them a listen. Um and oh, we'll, we'll we'll have the ad played during the show sometime. So yeah, and there's if you go to the the uh, exploited cinema blog spot, there's we've got a banner now that's like um I don't know if you saw that that changing banner that's got um, multiple links. There uh, you can you can get to their website through there. Um, at the bottom of the page, there's an another link to them, 
And, uh, you know, give them a listen, definitely. Mm-hmm. So with but, that, yeah. with that said, I think we're gonna jump into a quick break and we're gonna delve into some fucking exploitation sleaze, guys. I'm ready for it. I had my shower, so I'm ready to get greasy, buddy. Alrighty. Uh, keep it locked. You're listening to Exploited Cinema. Now, the ultimate in screen terror. The horror that was the Nazi nightmare explodes on the screen. Nineteen forty-five. Somewhere inside Nazi Germany. This is Medical Camp Nine. For these women, there is no hope, no escape. For them, there is only pain. And Ilsa, she-wolf of the SS. Call yourselves men? I see no manhood between your legs. For some, there was death. Slow. Brutal. For others, the chosen few. There was only Elsa, she-wolf of the SS. When a man entered her room, he never returned. Quite the same. Of all the butchers in the Third Reich, none was as ruthless as Ilsa, she-wolf of the SS. It's 50 minutes now, my commandant. Together with her black widows, she committed crimes so terrible even the SS feared her. (laughs) You will never forget the terror of Medical Camp 9. You will never forget its beautiful commandant, the bloody butcher the Nazis called Ilsa, she-wolf of the SS. Because of the shocking nature of many scenes in this film, it is definitely not recommended for the squeamish or easily offended. Thank you. 
Welcome back, everyone. Exploited Cinema. You are now entering the realm of the exploited. Oh, yeah, baby. We're talking some Grease this week, eh, bud? Yeah. Like, uh, we got oh, Don Edmonds' classic, if you ask me. Elsa, She-Wolf, the SS. This is the one that started it all, like uh, the whole all four Elsa movies. Like, this is the mother of them all. Like, if you want Grease and you want titties and exploitation, this is the way to go, as far as I'm concerned. Definitely. Yeah, anyway. I think it's uh, it, it was definitely ahead of its time. Um, and out of like all the Nazi exploitation films, I think this one really does it best, especially mm-hmm. with the nudity and like the torture scenes and whatnot. Well, just the enjoyability. I've watched a few of these Nazi movies, and quite frankly, a lot of them just aren't very good movies. Like they're pretty shitty, flimsy on the plot. Like this has some. This has some exciting stuff going on, like Don Edmonds, when he first seen the script, like he said this thing was a piece of shit, so he wanted to go as over the top as he could, like just give us shit that we ain't never seen, and I think he did a good job, like as far as like the electroshock dildo scenes and just some of the torture and some crazy shit going on. Definitely, definitely. <clears throat> so I guess we could jump into the plot here. Um the the film opens with uh, Ilsa like having sex with um, one of the like the Jewish prisoners, and um, like obviously I guess he didn't satisfy her or whatever, and so she's gonna like off him or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she takes him into a some kind of lab I guess, and they tie him down to this like steel operating table, and then like cut his balls off and. Eventually, just cut his dick off and let him bleed to death, and we don't really see anything like graphic at this point. I, I'm guessing they probably didn't have the budget, but we do see like um, a blood run down some kind of like drainage thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty powerful seed. Like, uh, I know he, any guy would have a hard time uh, like holding back if you had Diane Thorne on top of you. Giving giving the old hips a shake, like she was a Vegas showgirl at one time, so you know she's fine. Oh wow, yeah, but yeah. The poor, hell yeah, the poor guy though. Yeah, he couldn't hold up to it, and Ilsa and her she wolf, so he strapped him down and cut his balls off, and his dick went to the doctor's formaldehyde jar to, I guess, uh, for his research, ethnicities with the dick size, and he's into some weird stuff, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all part of experiments and to see how much pain people can take. But, uh, yeah, if you're a guy and you're picked out of the camp and you can't satisfy Ilsa, you, uh, you're you going to lose your Jacobs. That's And that's at least your worries. So they roll in. Um, we jump to, like, another scene where they roll in uh, a new crop of prisoners, and this is, like, the female prisoners. And mm-hmm. they bring them into this room, and they're, like, all nude and lined up. And um, they're kind of like... Uh, looking at their bodies to see what kind of um, type of work they're they're physically fit for and uh, we've got a we've got a nice little uh, uh, appearance by uh, Buck Flower here um, as the, her like right hand man scientist guy there with the glasses 
Yeah. Which was interesting. Yeah. 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 Buck did a lot of uh, exploitation films around this time, including um, Massacre Mafia style, and I'm sure there's a few others. He plays it off. Yeah, it was his main bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I just, I, I love the way he was just sitting there as Elsa was being all hard ass, uh, eyeballing the girls and checking them out. You could just see the docs. He's loving every second of his job. Like, there's, there's nothing better than to sit there and, uh, fondle breasts and check out naked women all day. All, all in the good name of science, might I add. But yeah, like, uh, as this is going on, like, the women, they're led to another room and you got this women, uh, or this woman sitting there with a bunch of shaving cream and a straight razor. And they're gonna they're they're gonna shave these women off, to say the least, and uh, to see what's underneath there, and I guess see if they're gonna send them along to the Nazis as uh, I guess party girls, mm-hmm. if you want to say. Yeah, I'm guessing they were and doing the, this uh, because like of pubic lice. Is it, well, you work in prisons, like is it, like pubic mm-hmm. lice and shit like that. That's kind of like runs rampant in, in like prisons, doesn't it? Well, you'd think they'd shave their heads too, though, if they're that worried about it. Right, right. Well, don't you guys do yeah. use some kind of like in prisons? Don't don't they use like delicing like a powder and stuff like that? Do you guys use that kind of stuff in in your line of work? Sometimes, if yeah. the guys come in, like we've had guys come in where their hair is literally moving. It's got so many lice and bugs oh. in it. And yeah, those guys, we got to shave them down and hit them with the treatments and everything. So you've actually Pretty had stuff. So you actually have shaved a few crotches in your time. Oh no, we I don't shave that crotch. Fuck Wait, no. Fuck they, no. They do it. They do it themselves. If they oh, get okay. the bar. If I get beat down to the third power if they don't shave that crotch. <laughs> fuck shave crotch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we hey, I don't know. Flowers. I ain't the doc. <laughs> no, they don't pay me enough for that, dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh jeez. So. We jump to um, the next scene, which is another group of prisoners coming, and the, like this is the male prisoners, and this is our mm-hmm. introduction to the main character of um, Wolf. And uh, Wolf is basically he's German, but he's like um, an Ameri- he's like a exchange student from America, and at the time mm-hmm. he was like studying what what did he say he was studying in Munich or or something like that. He- yeah, he was a bastard German that had uh, was living in the states and studying over in Germany. Because when Elsa she comes uh, comes in there and the guys are all standing there and she decides she wants to check out their wangs, so they all drop trow and she's walking past, noticing like saying, "Ah, there's not a single man in the room," and sees this guy and notices that he's German. But she looks at him, you're like, eh, you're not much German, so referring that Wolf's got a little dick, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was classy what he told her, hey, he's like, it ain't the size. Like, so he, he's he's throwing it out there right away, like, because uh, he knows, but he, he's heard the stories and stuff. One of them's going to be picked, so he's he's got a special power, so he's kind of trying to seduce Elsa right off the bat as soon as he gets there. He's got a plan. Right, exactly. And his whole attitude, it's kind of funny because, like, his attitude is, like, so nonchalant. Like, he already knows what he's going to do. He not, already knows everything's going to be fine. And I don't well, know. He knows, he's, he knows he's the machine, man. Like, this guy's the love machine, Like uh, as we'll get on to later. <laughs> right, right. So um, we're introduced to, um, was, it, was her name Maria, the other um, gal that can withstand all the pain? Was that what her name was, Maria? I think so, yeah, something like that. 
Well, she's in her barracks with, like, the rest of the female prisoners, and she's talking to them, and one of the gals is like, you know, they do all these kind of tests and stuff, and then she turns her face and basically reveals that um, they gave her syphilis on her face, and it's, like, eating her face away, and then basically mm-hmm. this is what would happen if um, syphilis wasn't treated. That would just keep on going. And we f- come to find out that they're testing, like, all kinds of diseases, um, venereal diseases, whatever whatever kind of diseases they can test on these people. Gangrene experiments, like, for soldiers, like, because they're losing too many limbs, so they're trying to figure out some different things with gangrene. So they're infecting these girls with it. Yeah, they're good giving them pain treatments. Like, they have this dildo hooked up with electroshock that mm-hmm. Ilsa and her she-wolves are working the girls over with in another scene. And there's another girl. She gets boiled alive. Like, pressure that was a pretty tank. graphic scene. Yeah, that was yeah, pretty pressure, graphic. Pressure tank scene, too. Um, like, there's some good stuff going on in this. And there's, like, uh, well, she's also, uh, like, she must be taking their uteruses out or whatever because she's sterilizing a lot of these women, too. Yeah. Because she's shipping them off to sex camps. Right, right. Oh, so this... they're not going to reproduce or anything like that, but you can still fuck them. Yeah. Well, yeah, you don't want to. If they get knocked up, they're going to be on the shelf for a few months. So that ain't right. good for business. Well, you don't any want. Good pimp, any good pimp knows that. Well, the Nazis didn't want the Jews reproducing either. I mean, I think that's the last uh, thing they wanted. Mm-hmm. So, but exactly. these tests are not to get too far off topic, but these tests are actually pretty realistic um, for the Nazis. Like, um, I had seen a documentary probably back when I was probably twelve or thirteen about the a hospital that actually did these kind of tests. Like, that was their main like job was to test all kinds of diseases. And it, it, the stuff with the gangrene, that the, that's not that was pretty tame to what they actually de- did um, to test some of the stuff. Like I, they had stories of cutting people's legs open and trying to simulate um, battle wounds, and they were like stuffing um, gravel into these people's legs and then sewing them back up and seeing how long it would take for their legs to rot off to simulate nice. like. How long it would take before they got to a med unit, you know what I mean? And yeah. they did practice this kind of sick fucking shit, man, like this torture shit. It wasn't, this isn't just, uh, you know, fiction. This this really happened, some of this stuff. Damn. Yeah. yeah. So, that's, yeah, the, go ahead. I know, it, I was just going to say, it almost uh, makes me embarrassed to be a German that I am, but... Yeah, German Nazi, it's two different things. So I'm sure yeah. I had relatives that I had relatives that fought for Germany and stuff, and they probably did some greasy things back then. But hey, it's got nothing to do with me. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, but yeah, that's that's some. There was some hardcore stuff going on back in those days. Like I've seen a lot of these uh, documentaries and stuff, and heard the stories. And like the Nazis, they they were just to say the least, they were just bad people. Like fuck, I don't want to badmouth my uh, my heritage or anything, but yeah. It's uh, for all true Germans. Like it's definitely like a black black thorn in our side. I don't know. I, I, I'm ashamed for the shit that happened back in the day. Eh, whatever. You didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't do it. But just to get all emotional for a minute, J Dog just bearing his soul. He's sorry. No. So basically, um, Ilsa kind of reveals like in some more scenes, and I know you were talking about it a little bit that. Basically, she's trying to prove that um, women can withstand more pain than men and that they deserve to be able to fight on the battlefield. And that's kind of why she's doing these tests. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's what she's telling the general and the Nazi brass anyway, mm-hmm. like, uh, that that's her whole, her motivation behind what she's up to. But I think she's got some, uh, underlining, uh, motives to what she's up to. I think she just gets off on the, the torture. Cause even, uh, when the general finally shows up, like he was kind of t- taken back by a lot of the stuff that they were doing, like, like he even give her shit for doing uh, side experiments and, and whatnot. Well, he's kind so, of a freak too. Like, uh, do you remember remember how that yeah. scene went down? Like, I mean, yeah. I, mean, I know we're jumping around a little bit for people that like have seen this film, but like this film is really like a gathering of scenes, really, because I mean it's just various. Like, there'll be a little bit of plot, and then it'll jump to like a handful of torture scenes, and then a little bit of plot, mm. and then jump to a handful of torture scenes. So. That's why we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but uh, yeah. everything leading up to that, do you remember they had one of the girls, and she was uh, balancing with a noose on her neck, and she's on like a block That's of ice? The, that was at the supper with the general come for supper, yeah, mm-hmm. she was entertainment as they ate, yeah, she had to stand on the ice, and once it melted to a certain point, she was just going to get strung up. Right, right. And, and they were going to watch her die. But yeah, like like you were uh, leading up to the scene with the general there, like that motherfucker. He should have had a yellow bandana in his right pocket, eh? <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's, definitely. That's how he should have been rocking it because, like, he lays on the floor, and long story short, he gets Elsa to piss on him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They don't show it, but he's sitting there in German. He's like more or less saying like, "Piss on me, piss on my face." Right. Well, he's like crying and stuff, and it's just a whole weird scene. And he's like, "Yeah." Then, then she just pisses on him, and we don't see it, of course, but you just no. hear you hear it that the audio of you hear piss. it going off is that's kind of like I wonder if that's symbolic, like uh, as Don Edmonds is saying, like "fuck piss piss on the Nazis," kind of maybe, eh? Uh, if, you, if you look at it that way. I don't know, man. Like, maybe he was just trying to imply that these generals were, like, fucking sadistic and, like, sexually fucked in the head, you know? Like, they were into some weird shit, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, like, I'm sure a lot of the sex shit went on, you know? I mean, if you want to compare it to, like, slavery and stuff, I mean, you had these old slave owners fucking their, their slaves and stuff. It's, like, the same thing going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Just greasy things throughout history, yeah. So, um, basically, uh, now, um, the women and, like, the men are, like, kind of planning their escape, and, um, what was it, Mario is telling, uh, uh, Wolf that, like, kind of about, like, um, uh, that if he doesn't last as long, or any time that any time someone goes to her room, that's a male usually doesn't come back with their junk or even come back at all. And so, like Wolf's kind of using this, you know, to his advantage. And um, how many times does he? He goes to like her room a couple times and like pleases her, doesn't he? Oh, he goes. Well, he goes the first time and. She can't believe what she got the night before. Like, he gives her, he lays some pipe down for her. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, she brings him back the next night and gets her to, like, she gets him to fuck his, uh, or her she-wolves there. And he fucks both of them, lays both of them out. And, and they're like, he still what? hasn't. Yeah, he still hasn't come yet. So then mm-hmm. he takes Ilsa down. And that's, that's just kind of his, uh, that's his strategy, though. Like, this guy just, if he doesn't want to, he just, he don't come. Yeah. Like, he would have made, he would have made some good money in the porn industry. Definitely. But, but yeah, he nuts. just drives Elsa nuts. Like, he just lays her down and 
she can't get enough of it. And really, it's uh, it kind of leads to her demise. Like she's just too horny and can't get enough of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and like meanwhile, like uh, while Wolf's kind of keeping her distracted, um, Mario sneaks into like the women's barracks and uh, is like planning planning everyone's escape or whatever. Like um, like like they're basically gonna like what like overthrow the guards and everything while they're on work duty mm-hmm. well yeah there's the plan wolf's gonna go fuck ilsa into a, like a frenzy and no ball mario he's uh, him and the other girls they're gonna i guess kind of just rush the rush the guards once once the signal's been given mm-hmm. so uh basically like another scene we jump to another scene like um Wolf and uh, Mario sneak into the women's barracks, and at this point, yes, they plan to escape. And um, like, was this after the general like left or whatever? Because he showed up and then he left, and then basically all hell broke loose. Hmm. You know, I can't remember exactly. It's right around that time, though. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's right in that time frame. So, um. The general leaves the camp, and, um, because, like, she does some stuff with the general, but, like, the general doesn't get her off, of course, and she wants to bring Wolf into her, uh, room one more time, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, Wolf ties Elsa down, and then, like, uh, what happens here? I can't remember. Yeah. <sighs> Well, he gets her all horny and stuff, like, uh, and he ties her arms down. And then pulls the gun on her, right? <clears throat> Yeah, and then he pulls his pants up and pulls a gun on her and stuffs that uh, rag in her mouth and away he goes. The escapes, the escapes started. Yeah, and but, while the escapes going on, or what were you gonna say, buddy? Well, he's got a little girlfriend too, like one of the, which is kind of weird because they don't really ever build anything with like any character development between them. Like she likes him and he likes her, and like they're kind of planning their escape together. Hmm. Yeah, they they really don't ever build on it. You see them talk a few times, and then at the end of the movie, you see that scene with them together, and that's about it, really. Mm -hmm. So, um, basically, in a nutshell, Wolf helps uh, the women escape, as well as the men, and then they basically just go on a killing spree and start killing everyone. And uh, Wolf says, you know, like, I'm going to get away, you know, come on, like, to like Mario and they're like and some of the other girls and they're like no we're Mario says wow. you know he's useless because he doesn't have a well, can you dick blame and him balls. Like, well Mario Mario had his dick remember because okay uh, yeah he... dick, his dick was too big the doctor didn't want it because like Mario was packing more meat than the average Italian so right. it would fuck the whole box theory up but like Mario was like well no I'm gonna stay like. There's no nothing for nothing out there for a guy with no balls, mm. more or less. What he's saying. So. Right. And then the, then the girls, well, they got syphilis and shit on their face. So yeah, really, they're like, there's nothing out there for a girl with syphilis on her face either. So yeah, sorry, we're just gonna stay and kind of fight these Germans. And but yeah, okay. Wolf and his squeeze, they make their escape. But then all of a sudden, coming busting through the front gates is fucking the German army. Did you notice that? Yeah, like and one German of the guys comes busting in and. They one of the guys the from the dinner, out. wasn't it? One of the mm-hmm. one of the one of the soldiers from the dinner, the blonde haired kind of yeah. guy. He's riding in with the tank, and 
Yeah, he comes in and just blows everybody away, and um, he gets into German Jew. It don't matter. Like they're they're eradicating the whole place. Like, yeah. Cause after after they seen the shit Elsa was doing here, like it would, they were scared word was gonna get out and like tarnish the Germans' good name, I guess. And yeah, they said fuck this. We're just gonna eradicate this camp before. Well, they're getting scared. The Allies were getting close, and they didn't want any of this shit discovered. So. Mm-hmm best way to cover your fucking uh to cover your misdeeds is to just burn it all down wipe it out yourself There'd well be that's nothing there for anyone to discover that one blonde haired guy he ends up making it into ilsa's room and you think that oh he's just gonna untie her and say oh you're free and he just fucking pops yeah. it right in the forehead and that kind of led me like to cantaloupe <laughs> yeah that kind of led me to believe that um the general didn't want not only did he not want the tests out but like I think he was against women fighting on the battlefield, and he knew what she was doing. And not only that, but I think he was ashamed of, like, the whole pee thing, and he didn't want, like, anybody to find out about that either. Mm-hmm. So I think it had a lot I think a lot of that had to do with I think it was more the Allies getting close and the Germans not wanting to have that camp overtaken by the Allied forces and all their experiments and greasy, trashy things being discovered. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I'd be more worried about, but both both are valid points. So. Yeah, there's, well, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Wolf actually ends up making it out with his girlfriend. We see him off, like um, kind of in a, in the distance, like it's a kind of a dis, like a wide shot of like him and her, like holding each other and watching all this chaos unfold. And um, we don't really know what happened to Wolf. Like uh, I haven't seen any of the sequels. Does Wolf pat? Um, pop up in any of the sequels or are they not even connected or no i i don't think they're connected i haven't watched them for a while but i don't recall any of that no okay yeah yeah that's it in a nutshell really though eh? yeah i mean uh yeah i mean it was a great film i i definitely highly recommend this um I I recently just checked this movie out probably six or seven months ago, and I was kind of shocked that I'd never heard of it before, to be honest with you, with all, like, the sex and torture and everything. I I was surprised I'd never ran across this before. But um, another thing I wanted to mention was um, throughout the film, we hear some pieces of music that sound very familiar and um, it took me a minute to figure out where it was coming, what what music I recognized it from. And it's actually, um, I think it's some D-Wolf um, tracks. Not from mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead, because Dawn of the Dead came after this. But actually, Romero must have used some of these uh, uh, tracks um, throughout Dawn of the Dead, because fami- they sound familiar. You know, I thought that, too, when I was watching it. I was like, hmm, that kind of sounds like some Dawn of the Dead music with mm-hmm. like, variation. It must yeah. be just some D-Wolf library stuff, because, I mean, Romero talks, like, on um, Martin on how he just used library tracks, free library tracks throughout that film, so I'm sure he used a handful of library tracks uh, for Dawn of the Dead as well that probably a lot of filmmakers around that time period had access to, so. Mm-hmm. Interesting no, little it tidbit. surprise me. Yeah, I just wanted to add in some stuff, I guess, about the director, like Don Edmonds. Like, this guy was, like, an exploitation great. Like, he did some softcore porn back in the day. Like, like his directorial debut was actually in porn, like most of our exploitation gods are. Mm-hmm. He did, like, Wild Honey in 72 and uh, Tender Loving Care in 73. 
And then, yeah, he did Ilsa. Then he did the, for the second Ilsa movie as well, like Harem Keeper of the Oil Sheiks. And then another movie I never seen, Bare Knuckles, but then he did like Terror on Tour. A lot of people are probably familiar with that and things like uh, Home Sweet Home. Some shitty slashers, but like the guy's been around. He was an actor. Like he was on TV's Hunter and The Munsters and all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. Like fucking, he was an actor and a producer. Like, like give like you said, give Quentin Tarantino his uh, kind of his foot in the door. And, a little bit, yeah. With the guy uh, his, True Romance, he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. Dead Pit did a like an interview with him before he passed away, and that is a very good interview. I don't know if you can access it anymore because I know their archives are down, but uh, that's an excellent interview. The guy that's probably one of my favorite interviews, like audio interviews, I've probably ever heard. And that guy is just a wealth of knowledge, exploitation knowledge too, from like the seven, six, like six, late sixties, and like through the throughout the seventies. So. Guy had an awesome career, and uh, yeah, it's too bad that he passed away. It really is because uh, I think we need I think we need more exploitation sleaze in this day and age. Don't you agree? Oh, I totally agree. There's not a whole lot of guys doing it good anymore. Like Ryan Nicholson does a good job on the exploitation, but not a lot of other stuff I see out there that I really enjoy. So yeah, like uh, Tony was telling me that uh, Diane Thorne's actually, she's going to be doing a convention appearance. I, I can't remember. I want to say London, Ontario, but I'm not exactly sure. So once I find more out, I'll actually, I'll post a link for it on the Facebook page in case anyone that's in the Canadian area, like Ontario area, New York and shit, that want to go check it out and shake her titties in person. That'll be your chance. Hell yeah, man. And, uh, any of you guys that's got some uh, Ilsa one sheets, you know, out there, I want to get them signed. Here's here's your opportunity, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure how much convention like uh, she does and whatnot, but I definitely, if I was in the area, I'd take the chance. Like, uh, I bet she still looks good because she was fairly, she was probably what get, getting close to forty by the, by the Ilsa movies. Do you think? Or possibly, yeah, I I think she yeah. was up there. Yeah, definitely. Because I know uh, she was like a Vegas showgirl and all that, and she was—I think she did some. Uh, I, I want to say Broadway, but I think she wanted to be a Broadway star. But like she had these titties and ass by the time she was fifteen, like a very voluptuous woman at a young age. So I'm sure she would have had no time, no problem uh, getting roles and stuff with the uh, sleazy producers back in those days. Right? Yeah, I don't see like somebody of that like with that. Uh, breast girth doing Broadway, but uh, eh, whatever. <laughs> I think she, uh, I, she, I, I don't, I can't see anyone else playing Ilsa in these movies. Though, like as far as her acting ability for that one role, it's spot on as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, she definitely fit fit the role. Although, like, I think she was doing like kind of like a German accent and and whatnot. Uh, you know, I could totally see somebody like Quentin Tarantino down the road trying to remake this like he did with Inglorious Bastards and have, like, real hey, German real German language. And I mean, because I don't think it hurts the film, but I think stuff like that would improve it. And, like, yeah. honestly, if, if Tarantino handled it, I probably wouldn't mind it. I mean, I'm not really a big fan of Inglorious Bastards, but that's not... That's not because of his filmmaking style or anything. It's just like I, when I see Quentin Tarantino movies, 
I prefer to watch an action film, and that was straight up like a borderline drama. <laughs> you know, like I I want to see exploitation and stuff from the guy, not the uh, you know serious serious filmmaking. I guess so. I mean, I'll I'll give up uh, like historic accuracies for greasiness and titties and the stuff Ilsa brought. Like, yeah. Who cares if I don't believe the accents and stuff? Like, the movie was shot on the old Hogan's Heroes set, for Christ's sake. So right. It's not like they put much money into the production. Like, I think it was fairly low budget. Well, I'm not Shoe saying that, budget. like, I, I think that it hurt it or anything. I think that, like, if it was all in, like, German, like, language, it would have improved it. But I don't think it's hurting it at all, you mm. know. I think if prob- it had subtitles, I probably might not have watched it. Right, but. yeah, I think that's the case, too, is a lot of people probably wouldn't have seen this film if it was subtitled, so... Yeah, yeah. if I want to read, I go get a book, fuck subtitles. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So I think we're going to jump into, like, a short break. Did I uh, lose? We're going to jump into a short break, uh, just to change it up a little bit. And, um, of course, you're listening to Exploited Cinema. Attention podcast shoppers. If you have a sweet tooth, we have a special treat for you. If you download an episode of Profondo Cinema in the next half hour, we'll give you a bag of audio ear candy free to take home to the kitties or enjoy yourself. So, hurry and download an episode at ProfondoCinema.com. Welcome back to Exploited Cinema, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed the break. We are now entering the second part of Exploited. Oh, yes, let the grease start flowing. And for this movie, uh, we got kind of an infamous one that uh, really had never seen the light of day until a few years back. I guess guess it would be ten Almost 10 years, yeah. 9 years now that it finally came out. 2001, Barrel released yeah. it. But this is Roger Watkins' infamous Last House on Dead End Street, a.k.a. the Cuckoo Clocks from Hell, a.k.a. the Fun House. has all kinds of different... There's a few different cuts of this film. Uh, like the one we're reviewing, I believe it's a 78-minute cut. But, uh, yeah, there's cuts out there that go up to as long as 175 minutes. But anyway... Uh, yeah, we'll get into the story of this. Uh, it stars out, uh, we got this guy named Terry. He's uh, he's released from prison for d- doing a year. He was selling some drugs, so he did a year in prison, and he gets out, and he decides, he's like, fuck it. I'm going to get back into making movies, because like, he had did some porno films in the past, and he wasn't able to sell them. Must must not have been very good porn, I guess, because <laughs> porn ain't very hard to sell, Terry. Well, back then... Back then, it, well, he called them stag films, and back then they were called stag films because at that mm-hmm. time, when in like '72, there weren't really very many like mainstream pornos out there. So that's possibly why he would think that they didn't do well or whatever. I would guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like Terry, he's out. He, he decides he's going to do a film now, so he goes to see all his old connections from like before he went to jail when he was doing his porno films. Like he goes. I guess what would it have been a producer or something? The first guy he goes to see. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, an old friend that had helped him like finance stag films or whatever in the past. Yeah, because he was asking his buddy what he had been up to, and he was he had uh, 
mentioned he had been in the nut house because he was working in a slaughterhouse and he said it just the boredom of working at the slaughterhouse. Uh, the boss caught him one day in the back with a calf, he said. So he didn't really let on what he was actually doing to the calf, but he had to do some time in the nut house for it anyway. So was that, to believe was that was the producer? Stuff. Was that the producer friend? Uh, was I think his name was Ken? Or was that Bill you're talking about, the, the, the uh, actual cinematographer? No, that's the second guy he goes to see okay. his there, his old cameraman. Yeah. I can't remember the first guy. But yeah, I guess, yeah, you jump ahead, he goes and sees his old uh, cameraman, Bill, and, and needless to say, Bill, he ain't too pleased to see him, because uh, Terry kind of fucked Bill over the last time they had worked together, and what, did he disappeared with all the film prints or something Yeah, like he that? stole his film, basically. So, yeah, Took Bill, off. he's not too impressed. Yeah, you won't even, like... He's got the he's got the lock on the door, the chain lock, and he won't even like open the door all the way for him. But yeah, Terry no. Terry's able to fast talk him into opening the door because he's got a great deal for him, and he goes on to say, you know, like um, I can pay pay you enough to where you can move out of the shitty like one room apartment, which basically Bill's in this scene. Bill's like um cutting some film, I don't know, probably a porno or something on like Steamback. Mm-hmm. Uh, or whatever, and he's got all the equipment and and whatnot to get the job done. So, of course, yeah, Terry's yeah, yeah. gonna hit him up. Well, yeah, Terry just tells him like, "Fuck, come come hang out with me. You could stay at my place, and let's make some movies." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He more or less like he lays it down for Bill. Like, you want to make movies? I want to make movies. There ain't no one else is gonna help us. So let's do it. Like he's right. he more or less tells Bill, "You want some money? Let's fucking go." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, so there you got now. Now Terry's got Bill on this side, and then we jump to another scene uh, where it's kind of a party, a gangbang, or whatever it is. I'm not really sure, but uh, there's a scene uh, where this woman she comes out and she's like, well, she's not naked, but she strips down, strips her top off, but her face is all painted in black makeup. Mm-hmm. And, and you got some Igor or fucking Michael Berryman looking cat. <laughs> I was thinking I wrote that in my notes here, Igor motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he was an Igor-looking motherfucker, yes, and he's he whipping was. her, and people are making out, and they're just watching. It's like entertainment, and he's putting the third, like a dirty old third-rate whipping on this girl. And you got these other guys; they're in a side room, they're talking business. Like, uh, well, who are these guys? Palmer was the one guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. The other, the other... I what I drew from that scene was these guys are like producers or whatever. And um, the one guy is trying to convince Palmer, like, to help finance Terry. He's making this new film, and he's doing something different. Like, he's not just doing regular old uh, uh, porno, you know. He's he's doing something different. And basically what he's doing is he's making a snuff film. This is what we find yeah. out throughout. But <clears throat> Yeah, like, it's like Terry's almost... Re- exacting revenge on some of these old people he's worked with in the past because like he's uh like he's linking up with palmer and stuff and and i I don't know he goes and he goes he goes and sees palmer's wife because uh who was it uh bill i think or ah fuck i get the characters names mixed up in this but anyway one of the guys was uh telling terry that mrs palmer was an easy piece of ass and go talk to her and you'll be able to get her husband on your side Mm-hmm. So, Terry, so Terry wanders over there and throws the moves on her and more or less fucks her and goes on from there. 
Well, yeah, there's like a cat and mouse game, and it's almost like the first time I watched it, I thought he raped her, but then again, like then I knew that he she was kind of playing into it the second time I saw it around, and uh, yeah, just playing hard to get, <clears throat> right? Little cat and mouse game, but throughout, like, um, because I know you're jumping ahead a little bit, but uh. It, we actually see some footage from Terry's film, like, throughout the film, we see it, like, scattered, and, um, the first scene... Oh, yeah, scene, that's right. Yeah, the first scene we see is him with these other two gals, um, that he really doesn't... Ex- the plot really doesn't explain how he meets these girls. I guess you just would assume that he knew them before he went in. And, um, he's brought them on, along with Bill, to shoot the film, and they're in this abandoned, like, building... And we see this guy once before, the blind guy, that um, they're doing this stuff to. Like, we see him at the beginning of the film, but it's not really, like, introduced, like, who he is or what's going on. But in the scene, they come into the room, and everybody's wearing masks. The girls are wearing masks, Terry's wearing a mask, and, like, the girls go up... They're acting like vampires and shit, yeah. Yeah, the girls go up to the guy and are, like, making out with him, but we don't really see what happens... And then, like, cuts to more footage of him running around trying to gather up people to help him with his film. And then it cuts back. Remember, it cuts back to the blind guy just hanging there, tied up, and he's dead. Like, it really never shows what they did to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot about that scene. I guess I was too focused on Terry taking Mrs. Palmer down. <laughs> hey, did you notice Bill's rocking, like, a mask that, like, for a second he looks like Charlie Bronson? <laughs> I that's, never noticed that. That see-through mask, he's got, it's got a little mustache, and it, it's almost reminiscent of, like, a Bronson mask, or... It's kind of weird. Hey, boy Hey, look at me. I got a mask. <laughs> so, we jumped to Terry coming... He has a conversation um, with the girl, like, after... Uh, I guess it would be Palmer's wife. She's like, uh, I guess she's seen footage from his film or whatever, because they're laying in bed and they're asking, he's, she's like asking him uh, why it looks so real, and mm-hmm. he basically tells her, well, baby, because it is real. <laughs> like, yeah, I really did yeah, all like, this stuff. That shit's real, baby, like, it's snuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he, and then he hate fucks her. <laughs> right. <laughs> so... Like then we jump to another random scene where I think it's I think it's the Ken produce like the Ken character the one of the producers he's like wandering. I thought it was Steve. He was meeting up with he, he met up with Steve. Like he sets a meeting to meet him at a empty warehouse. Okay, or something. maybe it was Steve. I'm horrible with these names here. Like, uh, but <laughs> yeah, they, he sets it up to where like he's supposed to be meeting um, Steve at that abandoned building, and he comes into a room where. All of a sudden, the spotlights are on him, mm-hmm. and uh, then then it doesn't really like. I guess Terry's wandering around the building, but then like it all of a sudden just jumps to both the producers like are awakened and they're both like suddenly tied up, right? Well, yeah, because like, well, yeah, like Steve's walking around the building looking for Terry, and they're kind of fucking with him, making noises, and then they just rush him and. Yeah, next thing you know, Steve comes too, and he notices he's hanging there, and Palmer's there, and I guess Mrs. Palmer would be there too, and like, there's a few people. Terry had them all uh, tied up in some basement or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then we jump to another because this is like this is 
why you need to watch the film a few times because it's all really disconnected, kind of like a nightmare. We jump to a girl tied up on a chair, and everybody, like all Terry and the girls, they all come into the scene, and like Terry brands her mm-hmm. with like a branding iron. Is this where he has like the Hercules mask on in this scene? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because they end up cutting her head half off too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yup, and I think he's, I think he guts her too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But then we yeah, they're doing all kinds of sick and deprived shit to this to this poor girl. Yeah, and it seems to be like a, a clip from his movie. That's the thing. Like we cut, we keep cutting back to like I don't know if it's super eight millimeter film, maybe it's sixteen millimeter. I know um, Bill's shooting with like a super eight camcorder, but like the the quality looks a bit better than super eight. I don't know, maybe it's because they cleaned the film up or whatnot. But you can tell there's cuts like to um, lower grade footage or whatever. So then, then yeah. we jump back to uh, the scene with Terry, and he's forcing Palmer to, like, direct... Is it Palmer to direct his film? Yeah, he wanted Palmer to direct, like, the next kill in his movie. Mm-hmm. But basically, he, they're not even going to let him direct. They're just, like, tormenting him and whatnot, and then, like, a, and a chase ensues. And... Yeah, it's almost like they let him get away so they could chase him down and humiliate him a little bit before they kill him. Right, for the... Cause, He's actually the next kill, basically. Like, it's... He's not directing the next scene. He's he's in the next scene. Yeah, you are the next scene, Palmer, right. yeah. And he chases um, Palmer, like, up, up like, um, the scaffolding or whatever. And then it cuts, but later on in the film, we actually see him, like, choke Palmer out up there. Because that's the weird thing. Like, sometimes we'll see leading up to the death, but then we won't see the death scene. Then maybe 15, 20 minutes down the road, we'll see other parts of that footage, like, scattered in randomly. Mm-hmm. It's too bad, like, I bet, like, the whole, the other cut's 100 minutes longer, and it would uh, probably fill in all the gaps, and everything would make sense, but it's just too bad it had to be uh, put together this way. Even the director, like, Watkins says, like, he hates this fucking cut. Yeah, he, he said, like... Wa- he can't even watch it. He said that it was, like, nice to see that it was all cleaned up by Barrel Entertainment, and, like... Because this is really the only 35mm print that's, like, out there right now, uh, basically. And he was he was happy to see that some form of the film was out there. But, yeah, he said that it was, like, a nightmare just watching it because it doesn't... Nothing makes sense. Yeah, it's, it, it fucked up what he was... His artistic uh, vision, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, basically, we're starting to get near the end of the film, and we jump to a scene with, like, um... Was it Palmer's wife, and she's on like an operating table? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, everybody's dressed with like um, they've got like surgical masks and like surgical gloves on and everything. And, yeah, they all uh, grab a scalpel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they start cutting your face up, and then move down. They uh, was it Terry? Terry grabs like the bone saw and. Uh, just start sawing her fucking leg off, <laughs> like. Yeah, they went from cutting her face up, like uh, with scalpels starting at the forehead, working their way down to Terry's p- cutting her legs off with the saw, and next thing you know, they're disemboweling her right on the table. This is a graphic scene, like yeah. this is uh, pretty realistic. Like, even the look of the blood and everything was just, it was just so realistic and so spot on. I could see why a lot of people uh, would think this was a real snuff film, like. 
being how everyone used like uh, fake names and no one really the, the film just with its inf infamy behind it like i could see how a lot of people really believe this was a true snuff yeah with like the the way it was cut and everything and just being really disconnected and, and whatnot yeah I, I i can definitely see that too but uh the yes. actual use of real sheep guts too really adds to the effects. Yeah, yeah. Did you notice they cut her stomach with like uh, some tin snips? Actually, like they're not even real yeah. surgical tools. It's like it's tools you'd use on the construction site. Yeah, whatever they could find is mm -hmm. what they were using. So yeah, they pull her guts out and basically disembowel her, and she's like awake during this, isn't she? Mm -hmm. Through parts yeah, of for it? most for most of it anyway for, mm -hmm. for the first part of it. So we jump to like uh, basically, isn't this the last kill? Isn't it um, one of the producers? I'm guessing this is Ken. Steve, I thought this oh, was. Steve. But I, I could be wrong. I don't know where I keep getting this Ken name from. Maybe he was the <laughs> uh, maybe he was the producer at the very beginning. I'm not sure. He could have been. But he takes I th off. I think that's who it was. It was Ken that told Terry about uh, Mrs. Palmer being an easy fucking stuff. Yeah. Okay. So he takes off and like tries to make a run for it, but uh, Terry catches up to him, and um, basically they they this girl like they set him down and they're like holding him down, and one of the gals that's running with Terry's gang, she comes up and takes her top off. And um, unzips her pants, and like what's protruding is a um, deer hoof. And they basically, yeah. yeah, they basically basically make this Steve guy suck the deer hoof, like giving her a blowjob, right? They make poor Steve deep throat the deer hoof. Yeah, <laughs> they, they they totally humiliate him. It's like she's like a deer goddess or something because yeah. there's another cat behind her behind her holding these two deer hoofs. Yeah, like, I think it was the other gal. Yeah, I think it was the other yeah. gal holding them. Mm -hmm. Terry was just going for as sick and twisted and deprived shit as he could put on film. Like, he even mentioned uh, while he was, while this film was going on, like, Terry's like, I don't know how I'm going to sell this movie, but we're making it anyway. <laughs> I think that's, I think it's the same dilemma that Roger Watkins really had when he shot this film. Like, he's making it, he's knowing he's pushing boundaries and it's groundbreaking stuff, but it's like, all right, we're making this movie, but what are we going to do with it once it's done? Like who the fuck's going to buy it? How are we going to distribute it? And as we'll later see, they had a lot of problems with it. Mm -hmm. So basically Steve, he like, they let Steve get away once, once more. And, uh, they, he starts running and he's running around the place and then they, it's like a cat and mouse game basically. And they finally catch up to him. And, uh, here comes Terry with the drill revving that motherfucker up. And he, sticks it right into Steve's eye and that was pretty that was a pretty uh, impressive eyeball drilling shot actually like I know Not um, bad. I know Roger Watkins said that they had a lot of trouble with the eyeball but and obviously you don't see the actual bit go in because they did say they had trouble drilling through the prop eyeball so you really only get to see it after it's entered but it's pretty vicious I, I think it's up there with like um you know, uh, uh, zombie, and uh, I guess I'd go as far to say, like, Thriller as well, you know? Even though Thriller mm. was a real eyeball, it's still up there with it. Mm. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I'll give it that. Yeah, you got Terry. He's coming out like the driller killer, yeah? <laughs> <With his> power <laughs> drill. 
drilling things up. I thought it was funny how, like, Steve managed to get away in the first place. Like, they're humiliating him, making him deep throat the deer hoof and stuff, and they're just busting a gut laughing and, ah, fuck it, let's laugh at Steve and let him run away for one final finale here. Right. Well, um, basically, yeah, after they drill him in the eye, like, the film concludes, like, everybody just walks away and the film concludes with this, like, voiceover. It says, uh... Basically, all individuals were apprehended and brought to justice, and then the credits run. Mm-hmm. And, and Roger Watkins. Yeah, says I thought that, that was kind of powerful how they walk out of scene, though. He, well, he says that narration was tacked on by the produ- the distributor, and he was pissed. He said that um, I think I read in a, like a, a written interview where he said that that totally just ruined the entire fucking film. That voice yeah. thing well, at the, the end. <clears throat> this was to give audiences closure, I guess, to know that these people were brought to justice. But yeah, like it totally undermines the whole uh, premise of what Roger Watkins is really trying to do with the film. Mm-hmm. I think he wasn't making a fucking crime drama. Right, exactly. Yeah, like kind of the reason behind like Steve running through all those doors, I think, was like. In that in that interview, that seven part interview on YouTube that I know you and me both watched, um, Roger mm-hmm. Watkins says that in his two and a half hour cut or whatever, that like Steve was supposed to run through all these doors, and then he was going to do it Kubrick style, where one door he opened actually took him into his apartment or into his house. Yeah, a la two thousand one, the ending of Space Odyssey, you know. Mm-hmm. Or he ends up back in his bedroom or whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought that would have been really visually interesting. Like, and it's obvious that he was trying to do like an art, like an artsy kind of picture here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't just a straight snuff film. Because you can't have a 178 minute cut of a straight snuff film. <laughs> yeah, I think it's gonna have to be something more going on. Because, like you said, the gore scenes they weren't really edited, so. Right, and it was he, just everything else. He says everything was left intact, so I think that might be like why he didn't want to put his name on it because they were pro- probably they were going to cut like his his original what was it two and a half hour cut down anyway. He's probably fuck it, don't I'm, don't even bother put my name on it then, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's not like it cost him a lot of money to spend. Like out of the budget, he spent most of the money on crystal meth anyway. He'll go on to say in the interviews, and he's pretty open about that. Yeah, he has no problem like telling everybody that he did spend most of the budget on on meth, basically. And the budget was fifteen hundred dollars, and he said probably two hundred was spent on the film. But I, I think that's bullshit because uh, processing film is expensive, dude. Even back then, like that would have cost him at least four hundred, five hundred, don't you think? Well, he had access. He had like connections through what his dad or something he was saying, where he okay. was getting everything pretty much done for free. Right. So yeah, really, he said like he goes and jokes. He says really the only thing he spent any money on was the surgical masks and the gloves. Right. Right. Which the rest, said, the rest was all cost him like two dollars. <laughs> yeah, the rest was coke and meth and booze and like just uh, just more or less indulging Terry's fucking party up. His party uh, frenzy he was in, I guess. I think it's a bit of an exaggeration. His, he would have had to spend... I mean, I made a film for $1,000, and 
it was rough even doing that with just shooting on video and stuff, and none of my performers were paid or anything. I think he's exaggerating a little bit. He would have had to spend some money. I mean, you got to incur like the 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 fake blood. I mean, you're still gonna have to go and buy the you know supplies. So I mean, I think he at least spent. He had to have at least spent at least five hundred of that budget. I've- I've read other places he spent as much as 800 making the movie, so... Yeah. It's hard to say. Yeah. Depending on how methed out he was the day you asked him, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, some other fun facts on this film was, uh... Roger Watkins says that, uh... He met up with Francis Ford Coppola in New York, and Francis actually took him to a recording studio and helped him dub the first... the first dubbing of the film, which isn't the one... Of the print we seen, it was actually the first time around. He took him to a studio and hooked him up, and I guess that was all free. Mm-hmm. Just kind of cool for yeah. He got had a lot of hookups where you just got to more or less freeload and use other people's resources. So yeah, like Roger Watkins, he definitely had a lot of breaks making this film. Um, so the film was shot in the production began in 1972, and this film didn't get released till 77. In, mm-hmm. like, Florida, I think, under the title Funhouse. So, that was, like, what, like, a eight-year period, six-year period there? Yeah, what well, was it, three, four years it was tied up in court? Yeah, Because I, of the one actress. Yeah, I don't know if the scene was actually left in, but it was supposed to be the scene where the two producers are, like, talking, and they're watching that film with um, the girl, and there's a dog in the scene, but there's no sex That's really that, course, but. yeah, yeah. That's where he's trying to. That's where Palmer's trying to sell that guy a shitty porno film, and he's like, "Well, what's up with this? This ain't no good." Like, uh, and that's when he tells him to go talk to Terry. Yeah, yeah. I was just wondering, like, what's up with the dog and stuff? Yeah, he's the like, dog. Oh, I just put it in for a human factor, or whatever he says. <laughs> the dog's like there, and then the girls. It's like a makeout scene or whatever, and the dog. They're just like shuffling the dog into the scene. But I wonder if that's actually the girl there. Um, um, that held the film up. Could have possibly been it. They might have just uh, switched the whole scene altogether, but that that is where that scene took place, though. Yeah. Well, he said that he shot another film, which I love the title. It was called, um, what was it called? Amputee, uh, Amputee Grand Prix. Grand Prix. <laughs> yeah. She, she was in that film, too, and they weren't able... I guess he was trying to get it on the Barrel Entertainment release, but she pretty much uh, nixed that uh, that film from ever seeing the light of day, I guess. Or he says you can see it all. I tried to find it. I could not find it anywhere because it just <laughs> the title sounds. Well, starring Bill, the cameraman. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, the amputee Grand Prix on the skateboard, and yeah, it sounded pretty interesting. Roger Watkins says it's a good film, actually. So yeah, I think it's I a sh- I think it's that. a short though, isn't it? Like uh, I think he said it was a short film or something. Yeah, well, it would pretty much have to be. Like, yeah. how much plot can you have with a the Amputee Grand Prix, I guess. I love the title, though. I could say that all day. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, he said that he had shot some amputee pornos, and I know those were kind of big during the mid-70s, and I actually seen why. <laughs> when I was looking for a copy of Water Power, I actually ran across a porno, an amputee porno, where amputee runs in the room, and, like, this guy is, like, legs missing, he's got a part of a stump, and he fucks the girl <laughs> with his stump. Nice. <laughs> That's so, classy. 
So I wonder if there was some amputee porn going on in it. <clears throat> Hard to say. But Roger Roger Watkins says there was some other shorts on the Barrel Entertainment release, which that that release is like heavily out of print. I think it went out of print uh, like within a year, huh? I think it came mm-hmm. out. I've never came across one. Yeah, in me all of my searching. Me neither. It'd be interesting if anybody out there has um copy of the Barrel Entertainment print. I'd be willing to do a trade if you're looking for something. I'm sure. You would too, huh, J-Dog? <clears throat> oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I'd uh, definitely like to get my mitts on the actual uh, copy, yeah. Well, even or like our DVDR or Yeah, DVDR rip would be great. I, I just, really, I, really, I just want to hear a commentary and, like, see these short films he's got on there. I think there's a, um, I think there's a featurette on there, too. It takes you through, like, the whole making of the film and stuff with, um, phone, there's phone calls and stuff, too, on there where he's, like, I think he's calling the producers or whatever, Probably mapped out of his mind. <laughs> yeah, kick ass. Yeah, I'm definitely. I uh, would like to check that out. So, is this a movie you'd recommend? Would you say? Yeah, I would definitely recommend this film, but I think it takes a few viewings actually uh, to really get into it. Because the first time I saw it, I I hated it. I sh- I shut it off. Uh, it was just. I think because everything was cut together so weird and it was just so disconnected, it was hard to follow. And I just you got to be in a certain mind frame to watch this, a certain mood. Yeah, I shut it off too the first time I started watching it. I was like, uh, I got thousands of movies in the room. I'm I'm gonna go pick a different one, and I just shut it off. And it wasn't until recently that I came back to it. So was but it actually? Yeah, it's 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 a powerful film. It's a good. Uh, it's a good gritty film. I don't know why I kind of swept it under the rug the first time I tried watching it. Me neither. I'd, I, I'd recommend it. Yeah, I kind of swept it under the rug too. What made you want to like? Was it just us doing like the the show that made you want to put it in again, or or just like a urge or whatever? Like what, what made you want to do? Watch I don't know. It I'd been meaning to go. I'd been meaning to go back and revisit it, and like when we were scrambling to come up with something for the new show, I was like, hmm. Like, fuck, Last House on Dead End Street, let's do it, man. Like, I haven't watched it for a while, and it, it gave me an excuse to pop it back in. That way I could decide, well, is it good? Is it shitty? Do I like it? Do I not like it? And I'm glad I did, because I actually like this movie. It's a good time. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, yeah, if you're going to watch it, you might need to be in a, you know, intoxicated uh, form to see it. But, yeah, you know, roll up a joint, pack your bong up, drop some acid, I don't know. Get into the mindset, drink a beer, whatever works, you know. Have some gas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, Last House on Dead End Street. If you can track it down, uh, check it out. I know it's pretty hard to find. I don't think, was there ever a VHS released of this film? Yeah, I've seen VHS copies on, uh, like, online and stuff, pictures of them, but. Okay, I wonder if they're cut or if it's this cut or... I'd imagine it's probably all the 78-minute cut, yeah. Okay. That's something I need to look into, though. Definitely, definitely. So, yeah, check it out. You can track it down. uh, And uh, I think we're going to jump into another break, and we'll come back with the VHS Vault Mm -hmm. with Blood Beach. Oh, yeah, baby. It's Blood Beach, baby. But, yeah, until then, enjoy the break, and you're listening to Exploited Cinema. Cinema. It's only a movie. 
only a movie. Remember, it's only a movie. Hey guys, welcome back. We're rocking in the VHS vault. You heard the little creaky door open. Yep, that's the vault. And we're dusting <laughs> off. Just... We're dusting off a greasy gem from 1981 titled Blood Beach. And this is one a favorite of, of yours. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah. Like... Good old 1980s Blood Beach, uh, directed by Jeffrey Bloom. Uh, you guys are like, hmm, Jeffrey Bloom, he sounds familiar. Well, Flowers in the Attic, he also directed that. He also so, wrote um, Nightmares. I don't know if you remember Nightmares, but it was like a... It was is like that a, the one with Emilio Estevez? Yeah, it was the compilation one where... Yeah, yeah. And I know the, my favorite segment of that was the Emilio Estevez. He was, like an, he was like a kid that loved to play arcade games and shit, and he, what, he breaks in there and... I need to get that. I don't have that. Well, from what I understand, it's out. It was Universal put a DVD out um, a while back, but I think that went out of print. And I think I heard Code Red is picking up this title and plans nice. to release it. So, oh, solid. So in in five years, we'll probably see that film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm looking forward to it anyway. Either I way. love Blood Beach. Yeah. So. I guess we'll jump into the plot. Um, the film basically opens with uh, this older gal, and she's walking her dog along the beach, and uh, suddenly uh, the beach opens up and uh, basically starts swallowing her in. And uh, that's basically how the film opens. Almost like a tremor is pulling her under the ground. Yeah, you never see what it is. Just the sand starts to sift down, and it's like she's fell in a sinkhole or something almost. Yeah, like quick sand. Yes. So the police and like the lifeguards are baffled uh, of like what what happened to this woman or like her disappearance. Um, and the, the first scene with the detectives and everything, we're introduced to uh, Burt Young's character of uh, Sergeant Royko. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Burt's playing a gumshoe detective, as we talked about in the introduction of the show, and uh, he gave a great performance here, man. Like. 
I don't know, man. Like, I was never really a big fan of Burt Young until I seen this film. I mean, I know he did um, Amityville, Amityville yeah. part. What was it? Part two and part two, yeah. Of course, the Rocky films. And See, he, to me, Burt Young, like I don't know, in this movie, like was he? Is that not the same suit he wore in like the Rocky films as Polly? Like, I think he wears the same clothes in all the all his movies and. To me, it's just a more refined Polly character. Like he's still, he's a smart ass. Like Polly is. Like mm-hmm. he's just not. He's just not feeling as sorry for himself in this movie. But to me, it's all just different degrees of Polly. Like in uh, Amityville too, it's he's still like he's just more of a sleaze bag Polly, yeah. beating his kids up, smacking the wife around. But he's he's still always got that uh, smart ass, feeling sorry for himself attitude throughout all his movies. I think I think it's almost like the same kind of character. Yeah, I totally agree. It's just like you said, different levels of Paul. I know he's in um, Back to School too. I know I just mm-hmm. picked up that DVD, and he, he he even though he doesn't have like a huge role in the film, he's still memorable as. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Rodney Dangerfield's like uh, I guess right hand man kind of thing in that film, huh? His buddy, yeah. Yeah, he plays yeah, like almost... a buddy character in a lot of films. I think. Mm-hmm. Like, you've heard of the eight degrees of bacon. Well, I guess this is one of the eight degrees of uh, Burt Young of Polly. Eight degrees of (laughs) Polly. So, um, basically, the woman who was sucked into the sand, her daughter uh, returns to town after her mother's disappearance. And uh, this is, her character's name is uh, Catherine. And um, Mm -hmm. we find out that um, uh, she was dating one of the lifeguards. What was his name? Harry, the head Harry. lifeguard, yeah. Yeah. They had some kind of... Harry's so concerned, like, because uh, when they were talking, like, uh, you got Polly and stuff, and, like, you, like you, it's kind of, that's where it comes out, well, I used to date, I used to date her daughter, and that's why he would, because like, they were wondering, why are you so concerned about this old lady, you're just a lifeguard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, what's your tie to it, kind of thing. Right. So, uh, yeah, she comes back into town, and we get, like, a, a brief scene where she's walking, like, um, along the beach, and, uh, like, this old lady comes up, and uh, she's kind of like a bum, homeless lady mm-hmm. that pushes a cart, and she basically tells the woman that uh, the cops are trying to cover up this shit, you know, that, that basically her mother was raped and murdered and buried on the beach, and that's yeah, just a cover-up. Conspiracy to cover it up. I got a kick out of that old lady. Do you see the one scene where, uh, like, the jazz band's playing on the street and she's walking past, and all of a sudden she starts to cut a little rug. She's doing a little dance as she goes past as she's little, pushing her shopping cart. Little homeless jig, yeah. Yeah, man, her, her character was cool. So I think, like, basically, Catherine ends up like staying in her mother's home, and um, well, her mother had a dog, and she's she's taking care of the dog or whatever, still trying mm-hmm. to find her mother and. Uh, we get a scene where uh, she lets the dog out, and uh, the dog in- starts wandering down the beach, and she runs after the dog um, to kind of, like, look for him or whatever, and then um, the dog is, like, digging in the sand, and we really don't see exactly what happens, but uh, Catherine runs up and finally finds the dog, and he's kind of laying there on the beach, and she's like, what's the matter, you know, and pulls him up, and fucking dog's head's bit clean off. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to see because obviously this film isn't out on DVD and it hasn't been restored. So a lot of the dark. It was grainy to begin with, too. 
Right, right, exactly. And I don't know what your cut looks like, because uh, I know I got my cut like, on a torrent website, so someone else's VHS rip. Could you so see? So my cuts kick ass, actually. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, as good as it gets. Can you see a lot of these darker scenes in your cut? Oh, yeah. I can see everything. It's just a, it's just a grainy look. Like, mine's right off of a uh, pristine print. Like, it's got title. Like, it's got menus and everything. It almost looks like it could have been a foreign release or something. Yeah, well, I read online that this actually was released in, in Europe somewhere, and I think they remastered it to an extent. You know, I think that's the print I have, actually, yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, yeah, this look like the, the special effects here seem to be set up well. Like, I could see there was gore there, like, but it was just rough and hard for me to see. But we jumped to another scene um, at basically the coroner's office and the... Uh, Paulie's there with his partner. Uh, what was his partner's name? The, the he had a black partner. What was his name? Do you remember? Uh, the black dude was it? It wasn't Hoagie, was it? No. Uh, he had a weird or, name, I think. Lieutenant Lieutenant uh, Piandasio or Pindasio, something. Piandasio, like yeah. Yeah. So they're there talking to the coroner, and uh, basically the coroner tells him that he thinks someone, some man, had just bare-handed ripped this dog's head off which is technically impossible i think mm-hmm. uh, well this is well he's saying they couldn't find any traces and like or was this a different scene where Polly's just being all smart ass he's like what not, not even a hangnail yeah that was where, the scene yeah because he yeah, said that it looked like nails like, yeah his partner just starts to shake his head more or less tells like raiko he's like this fucking get out of here man like right. quit putting your foot in your mouth <laughs> Right, and Paulie kind of he takes off, walks off, kind of pissed a little bit. Yeah, he's like, "Well, what's, that's the problem with the world nowadays. No one's got a sense of humor." Right, and right. He's feeling feeling sorry for himself, given the whole dramatic Paulie exit. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So uh, we jump to another scene of uh, the crowded beach. It's uh, daytime now, and there's a group of girls, um, basically. Like like most you know youngsters do when they're at the beach, they're trying to bury their friend in the sand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but suddenly, uh, the girl's screaming like crazy, like something's getting her under the sand, and um, her friends, a bunch, I think a bunch more people come over and they all pull her out of the sand, and her legs are basically covered in blood. Yeah, they've been all chewed up and stuff, and that's uh, where it kind of shifts the direction. Like, the police had been thinking that it might have been a serial killer doing this and stuff before, and now they're like, well, we got some kind of creature underneath the sand. Because mm-hmm. there was, like, some professor or something was brought in to talk to Captain Pearson, like John Saxton there, mm-hmm. and he's explaining all this different stuff, and, like, John Saxton looks at him, and this is, like, like this is my favorite line in the movie. He's like, yeah, that's... Uh, that's about as useful as whiskers on a sausage, he tells the doctor. <laughs> it's like, what is, what's it got to do with anything, more or less? Like, is it just a bunch of fucking jargon? If, if yeah. that's what it is, you can just leave. And so, yeah, he, he kicks the doctor out at that scene, but that was awesome. Like, that's about as useful as whiskers on a sausage. Like, only John Saxton would come up with some gold like that. Right, right. Yeah, I wonder if he ad-libbed that line or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, we jump back to, like, um, the the police precinct like uh, headquarters and it's crowded with all the police officers and basically john saxon he he's pretty much telling everybody you know like pretty much sums it up that we need to be he's like you know we need to get to the bottom of this case and you know he don't really give a who give a fuck who's at the top because he's gonna mm-hmm. figure it out 
And he goes on to say that the crime needs to be solved because it's at the point where, like, the animal rights activists are, like, breathing down his back, and he don't need it, you know? He really don't. Yeah. Mm. Well, this is where he says, fuck it, and they just dig the beach up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, they start digging up the like, beach. He's like, something happened under there, so what are you going to do? Let's bring in the tractors and the backhoes, and let's just dig it up and see what we find. But they don't find anything. Yeah, they didn't. Fuck, the beach was back rocking and rolling the very next day, yeah. man. Yeah. So. Like they, didn't, yeah, they didn't find shit. Yeah, like, there's nothing at all. And they don't even really say we didn't find anything. It just jumps back to, like, the beach again, you know, in the morning. So, and the beach and pretty interview- much looks. Yeah, they're interviewing that group of kids. Yeah, like asking the, them like, "Why did you come back?" Like someone was just attacked here in the sand yesterday, and they're more or less like, "Well, where else are you gonna go? There ain't no other good beaches. Like this is this is about it. We're right. young. We want to come to the beach." And I like that one young guy. He's like, "It's Blood Beach, it's blood baby. Beach, man. Yeah, yeah, it's Blood Beach, man. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome." So, so we jump like it's later in the evening, and we jump to like one of the lifeguards. Um, I guess it's Harry's partner, or whatever, and that's the uh, guy that hadn't slept for a week, and he was wanting to get some sleep so he could go boogie in, eh? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if he was going out with David Hess and fucking uh, John Morgan, <laughs> going to go out and do some boogieing. Yeah, piss in somebody's face, huh? <laughs> yeah, good. Maybe he, maybe they were supposed to pick him up for that party at the at the lot, whatever that fuck. I can't remember the name of the movie. The house on the edge of the park. House on the edge like of the park. On a blank. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you just got ditched that night. Well, uh, we get a scene, I don't know if it's before or after, um, like, our introduction to him and his girlfriend, but, like, they're at um, some club and they're, like, singers or whatever. They got a band and they're doing, like, a little duet on stage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that was before this. Maybe that's when he was going out. But uh, uh, his girlfriend decides to take off, like, after, I think, maybe he's working the night shift. Um and she decides to take off on her bike, and uh, she, for some reason, parks her bike on the beach and starts walking, and she hears, like, um, this bird, or what she thinks to be a bird, crying. Yeah, it was a shithawk. Yeah, it was a fucking dirty old seagull, fucking mm-hmm. shithawk making some noise. And she goes down to investigate, and then, like, all of a sudden, this, like, random rapist just jumps out of nowhere with, like, his cock in his hand, and he tries to put David the rape S. to her. <laughs> David has his distant cousin. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he yeah. Tr- he tries to put the rape on her in a well, not so sleazy fashion, but sleazy enough. And uh, yeah. he's crawling along the beach with his junk hanging out, and then all of a sudden he just starts screaming like a fucking maniac. And you pretty much know he got his dick bit off by the beach. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's what you get. You don't stick your sand in the or dick in the sand. Yeah. Remember there was just some weird kid. I remember when I was in elementary school, he used to do that on the playground. He'd lay in the sand pit, stick his dick in the sand. The weirdo. Mm, what a <laughs> kind of on, off topic, but <laughs> I was like, it's like a future rapist. I can't remember the the cat's name, but yeah, he used to stick his dick in the sand. Ooh, weird motherfucker. Yeah, I think kids. So maybe kids around maybe that, that age always would be like whipping their dicks out because I know I remember a kid that used to masturbate in class. So <laughs> no, I was gonna say I never just whipped my shit around, but. Yeah, me neither. Big but, enough to just uh, be whipping around, so it ain't got much whip to it. <laughs> hey, we're off topic here, right? Anyway. Right. Yeah. That's so. Um, basically, <laughs> the, the guy got his dick bit off in the sand. Yeah. Yeah, and the police come along, and again, they're pretty much baffled, and uh, mm-hmm. they don't know what's going on, but they think that it has to do with something 
underneath the sand, so they bring um, a geologist in. Well, you get Royko. He puts up another uh, classy scene too. Right at right at when this is going on, he's more or less telling people like, "What are we beating around the bush for? This is like a fucking rapist. Some this is a dirty old crumb bum. Like, why are we act? Why are we acting like we care? Why are we acting like we even feel sorry for that he got his dick bit off?" Right, right, which is a reasonable reaction from somebody in law enforcement, you know. Yeah, but only, but only Paulie's gonna say it. Though. Right, right, because he's the only one that's got the balls to say something like that, so. Yeah, he don't give a fuck. It's classy like that. Oh, yeah. But, uh, basically, the, they talk to the geologist, and basically, um, they think that the creature is evolving, and they think that it may have originated from the sea, but now mm-hmm. it's like evolving to live on land. So yeah, it, he's more saying it's stashing out underground in some moist place, and eventually it's going to venture out into the sunlight. The doctor is saying more or less, and then we're all in. Then we're all fucked. Right. Well, which is you know not to get off too far off topic, but that's not too far fetched because like we're still discovering like even to this day we're discovering new creatures within the ocean that we'd never seen before. So. It's not too far-fetched, I would say, as far as plot goes. Mm. But uh, Harry, he's got a um, he's got a stewardess friend on the side that uh, calls him up, and she says she's coming into town and that she wants to do dinner or whatever. So he's all psyched, you know, and uh, he's getting dinner rock. Well, he home. thinks he's going to get his wick wet. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's whipping up a nice little dinner and everything. And uh, she rolls into town. We see her coming to town, and she's got her little hat on or whatever, and. Uh, mm-hmm. The hat blows off her head and starts blowing down the beach, and she runs after it. And of course, here's our next victim. She gets pulled under. And, yeah, uh, not far from Harry's place, actually. Like fucking, pretty much right in front of Harry's yeah, apartment. Well, in the, she parked out the down the alleyway there. there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, basically, Harry's yeah, so. left with his uh, dick in his hand, and. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, poor Harry's left. He got ditched. He thinks he got stood up, so he. Uh, he figures, fuck it, I'm going to try getting laid anyway tonight. Mm-hmm. So he packs up his wine and throws all his fucking food in a roaster and fucks off over to Catherine's place. Yeah. He figures, oh, we might be able to spark this flame or something there, just for some company, I guess. Right, yeah. It seems harmless, and, you know, him coming yeah. over there. He seems like a nice guy, but uh, he's He got... offered her some food. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to eat, though, because she said she had, like, a hamburger earlier that night or whatever. So he just sits there and munches, and they bullshit over a glass of wine, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, there's, like, a scene real quick before he heads back where you think he might get laid, but isn't he being a nice guy and saying, I better just go back to my place, you know? It's not. Yeah, he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's playing coy. He's playing hard to get. Like, I don't know what Harry's deal is. Baiting her in, I guess. So, jump to the next morning. Harry comes out of his uh, apartment or whatever, and... Uh, He's, he's on his way to work or whatever, and uh, he finds uh, his stewardess friend's car is parked in the alleyway, and he's like, oh, that's kind of funny because she never showed up, and he ventures down the beach a little bit, and uh, he finds her hat huh, on the beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so he knows something's going on again, and uh, basically the police, they decide to uh, dig up the area where her hat was found, and... Um, what do they find? Uh, one of her eyeballs. And uh, what? Polly, Polly, uh, Bert Young. He makes like a joke here about the eyeball, which yeah, I yeah he's like, he's like, hey Harry, what color were her eyes? Yeah, 
He's like fucking yeah, Paulie. He's uh, he's he's lowbrow. He's not very uh, not very good taste. A lot of the things he says. That's what makes him so classy, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought like kind of that line was kind of out of character because I don't think even though he's like a wisecracking detective, I don't think in this situation that he should have said something like that. I think even even if he was even if this character was real, I don't think he would have mm-hmm. said something like yeah. that. I think he would have drawn the line there. Yeah, Paulie's not a real malicious guy, so yeah. that is out, out of his uh, out of his like character, I guess you'd say. Yeah. So basically, Harry, like it's it's a personal vendetta at this point for Harry, and he decides to go looking for the creature in this like um, what was it, like well, a it's basement into his ass time. Yeah, right, exactly. And he he goes looking for this creature in this old basement of this uh, building that was demolished. I guess he used to play there as a child with. Um, and he goes there. Him and Catherine. Yeah, Catherine. They used to play there when they were kids back in the day or whatever. And he ventures down there. And this was dark. My print was really dark, and I had a hard time seeing what was going on here. But uh, Yeah, like you said, Harry, he's creeping around down in the basement of the old uh, fun house there where him and Catherine used to play. And, like, I don't know, he ain't really seeing anything. Like, it's just a lot of dirt and grime and a lot of cobwebs and shit but uh you can tell like harry's freaked out he just got a he just got a sense he's you can just kind of feel that something's off there but there's no real uh no real signs to indicate anything but he's just getting this uneasy feeling so he he doesn't really stick around there too long he kind of fucking beats his feet and gets the hell out of there quick yeah and we're left with like something on the wall like breathing or or something like that i can't really make out what it is i'm guessing yeah, there's a the creature but there's a there's a glimpse of something Harry never seen, but they don't really show us too good. They just kind of let us know that there is kind of a presence in the room, though. <laughs> so um, next we jump to another scene with this guy. He's searching the beach with the metal detector. I don't think he's looking for the creature. He's just yeah, he's looking for watches, yeah. coins, whatever tin can lids like he found there. <laughs> yeah, random shit you do when you're at the beach, I guess. And uh, he starts he finds something and he starts digging in the sand and. Sure enough, you know, you don't go digging in this in the sand in this beach, you know, and he gets pulled under. Mm-hmm. He had classy shirt he was wearing, eh? Eat gas, eat beans. <laughs> yeah, well, he, uh, we think he's, like, disappeared or whatever because we get the scene where uh, um, his wife comes in to report him missing and Burt Young's like, well, what was he wearing, you know, and that's where we get, you know, where what his shirt said and he's wearing, you know, he had a watch on and what not she's given the whole description and he's all serious here even though this could have been a comedic scene for him i thought mm-hmm. but, uh, but it, it was almost like he was trying to hold back yeah yeah um but we jump to uh like later on somebody comes out of uh this guy covered in sh- like sh- black shit he just looks horrible climbs out of the sewer and it, it sure enough was him somehow he was able to get away from this creature and he's all battered and beaten, and they take him to the hospital. And um, they they said, well, they couldn't get a statement out of him because his tongue was, like, bitten off and that his brain was pretty much mush. I think uh, Burt Young says, it's like, what did he say? It was Vegetable soup. Vegetable soup. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah, classy. Mm-hmm. Another classy line from Burt Young. Yeah, they can't get no information out of him. 
Um, they don't really know exactly what's happened, but of course this is just leading them to believe more and more that there's something in, under the beach that's that's doing this to people, and they can't really figure out exactly what it is. Um, we jump to another scene of the light, one of the lifeguards, I think it's uh, Harry's partner, and he's trying to get the homeless woman off the beach, because pretty much I think... They've basically said, you know, the, the beach is quarantined and, you know, nobody can be on the beach until we figure out what's going on. And she's um, trying to go back to one of her little home, homeless hideouts here. Uh, I don't know exactly what that is that she's hiding out in, some old building. Yeah. And uh, he's there trying to coax her out. And uh, suddenly, of course, uh, he, oh, I love it. He says, um he gives that whole speech that uh, how things used to be, you know, and mm-hmm. how this never used to be a bunch of like rapists and it used to be a good place. Mm-hmm. And you remember, you remember, he kept saying to her. Yeah, and then he gets, sure enough, he gets sucked in next, and uh, that's pretty much the end of him. We don't, we don't ever see him again. No, so, and, well, she's she's too freaked out. Like she knows what's going on. That's why she just like she's kind of just been hiding out there. Well, she knew enough to get off the ground, too, as well, because mm-hmm. she pulls, like, she has a little step ladder up into this little hideaway, and she pulls that up. She ain't, she ain't letting any chance of this thing coming up in her little place, so. So we jump to Catherine, and uh, she decides to go investigating in the building. This is around the end of the film. Meanwhile, Harry and uh, uh, Lieutenant uh, Pintendosi, was that what his name was? Yeah, the black the black dude, the black yeah. Dude, yeah. They venture in after her. They don't really know she's down there. And uh, Catherine, she discovers her mother's, like, severed head. And then all of a sudden, like, um, uh, well, this was before Friday the 13th, but it's it's very much in that fashion. All the bodies start popping up. Mm-hmm. They start pouring out. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of like the creature's ice box. It was where he was keeping all his snacks for later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like random leg limbs and... And whatnot, and, uh, yeah, she pretty much freaks out, um, and, uh, Harry and, uh, the other detective, they, they pretty much know, well, this is pretty much where it's hiding out, so, yeah. the entire precinct, like, descends onto this, uh, this, this basement, and, uh, they decide to monitor the, um, the place with, uh, like, cameras and stuff, and they set up, like, a little, uh, I don't know, it's like a little trailer where they're monitoring things. Mm-hmm. I like how uh, they're trying to figure out what to do, and like uh, Polly there, Sergeant Ryko, he's like, "Fucking, just just blow this whole place up." Mm-hmm. And then you got John Saxton, he's like, "Yeah, he's like, yeah. that's a good idea." He just he more or less gives the order. He's like, "Let's get some demolition crew down here, and let's get this place wired up." And Polly, he's all <laughs> triumphant. He's like, "Fucking a, Captain, <laughs> you're my kind of captain," or something like that. He says, "Like, it's it's Polly in all his glory." Right. He got, he got his way. It's pretty much to the point where, like, Paulie's like, well, finally, you know, somebody's fucking taking my advice here. Somebody's mm-hmm. listening to me, you know? Exactly, yeah. So they they load the place up with fucking dynamite, and they're monitoring it on the video screens, and um, all of a sudden this creature pops up, huh? Mm-hmm. And we get to yeah, see it's... it. Mm. We're not really sure what it is. It's kind of like it almost looks like a stingray when it comes in. But then it's got like it uh, has this extension that comes up, and then it's like like a flower kind of tip at the end with these teeth. And I thought it resembled um, the Sarlacc pit from uh, Return of the Jedi. Oh, kind of. Mm. 
a little bit with the mouth and everything, like a baby Sarlacc pit. Possibly, yeah. I'd have to go back and uh, watch that again. I haven't seen that shit in years. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they maybe they had a little basis for it from 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 Jedi. So, but hmm. uh, basically, um, what was weird it? looking the, creature, anyway. The coroner doesn't want to blow it up. Like he wants to fucking capture it and study it. And yeah, the professor. Yeah, he want, yeah. He thinks like, well, there's some way. We, this is like science, like groundbreaking shit. We gotta capture it and study it and put it in a cage. Well, I think he's thinking maybe it might be prehistoric and maybe we can mm-hmm. find out more about um, our planet from it. Huh? Too, yeah. Maybe. Mm. Burt yeah. Young ain't having it, though. No. And, Ollie's uh, like, fuck it, S.A. Yeah. I ain't having none of this. <laughs> so uh, he goes out, and it's like, it's it's cartoon fashion with the with the little uh, ignition stick, you know, a little, little plunger. And, yep, Burt Young, he does the honors of blowing the creature up, and he pushes the plunger down, blows the fuck out of this building. Mm-hmm. And um, basically everything seems to be returned to normal. I think Harry... Uh, Harry's hooked up with Catherine now at this point, huh? Or, yeah. Or was yeah, he taking her to the he, airport? I couldn't remember, but I thought they hooked up. I think I think I think they definitely rekindled the spark. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, the film ends with uh, this like little boy and uh, what is he? Uh, he's playing in the sand or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the sand starts moving. Yeah, there's multiple scenes throughout the extended ending, and, like, you got all these sinkholes forming around people on the beach. Like, there'll be women laying on their towels and guys sitting there, and everywhere you look in these different scenes, yeah, the sand's starting to seep down. So you know that they didn't get the only creature that they've obviously been reproducing, and, like, that, that beach is full of them. Right, really like, this is the start of it. a possible sequel. Yeah, this is, like, the start of it. Like, it, you just killed one. There's, like, millions of these things all over the beach. and mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say they tried to uh, set it up for uh, for a sequel. Kind of wishful you know, thinking on their part, I guess. You know, the only problem was when it... Well, it was, like we said, big-budget movie. Like, it had some it had some name actors and had a decent cast and uh looks like it had some production value put into it but it just bombed so it just bombed so bad at the box office that any thought of a sequel was probably thrown right out the door i think within a week of the release because this movie didn't make much money that's for sure yeah I, you which know, is too bad i don't know it's one of know. the better jaws ripoffs sorry to cut you off yeah that's all right um stepping on your toes i think it was just one of those situations where it was probably just bad timing and uh I guess too maybe, far ahead of its time. Maybe the plot was a little too hokey for people to swallow. I don't know. I mean, if you think about it, this is realistic. I mean, like like I said before, you know, uh, there's so much, so many uh, life forms under the sea that's undiscovered that this is this very well possibly could realistically happen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just like the humanoids from the deep, the salmon fish raping the women. Hey, that shit could happen, man. You never know. Maybe. <laughs> you never know. But uh, this is this is after Piranha, I would guess. That would be one of the uh, first Jaws ripoffs, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this was 1980, so it wasn't long after Jaws. It was right after, right around the same time. What was Piranha? 79? 79, yeah. 78, 79, I think, yeah. I think that uh, it was... 78, Piranha, yeah. It was very creative, 
And, um, you know, they didn't just try to, like, go with something that's in the water. They tried to go from the from the water to the actual beach. So they tried to change it up and bring some originality to the table. But I think yeah. that, because, you know, when I seen this, other than the, um, what was it, the little uh, tag tagline on there, you know? <laughs> I don't Just think, when you thought it was safe to get to the or to go in the water, you, you can't, can't get, get to, to it. it. Yeah, I yeah. think that other than that tagline, that's really the only ripoff of Jaws. I think if they would have just not did that tagline, even though it's a genius tagline, mm-hmm. I don't think people would have thought of it as being a Jaws ripoff because there's really there's nothing else other than that it takes place at you know uh, like at the beach you know just because it's a beach yeah there's right. not there ain't much ripoff going on like i like the other tagline uh the last five people believed to have drowned at this beach never made it past the sand that's right. another one that's that it says on my poster i yeah. got some awesome stuff i guess you know people probably thought that like um john saxon was kind of like the roy scheider character you know but he doesn't go and kill the beast you know at the end it's not well, what's, what's Polly quinn then like, mm, I, I'll, no, I guess Paulie would just be like an extra character kind of introduced, you know, like when would have been yeah. the, um, would have been the geologist, wouldn't it have been? The guy that fucking was about as useful as whiskers on a sausage. Right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I think overall, like, uh, John Saxon gives a great performance in this film. If you're a huge fan of John Saxon as as uh, the police as a police chief, you'll love this. Uh, he reinforces why, in my mind, Saxon will always be a better horror cop than Tom Atkins. Ah, uh, let's not go there. But <laughs> he, he's good. He's good. Saxon versus Atkins. He's good. I like when he when he tells off the fucking uh, city council or whatever he tells that fat bitch and everything he just gives him a piece of his mind and him and his boys storm out yeah john saxon he's he's a good cop but he's mm-hmm. not the drunken cop that john uh or that tom atkins is yeah. like come on now I'm who's a better drunken say, cop hmm? who's a better drunken cop um uh, well atkins i mean if you want to look at drunk cops yeah atkins you know takes the cake but uh you know john i grew up with john saxon like I, i've you know, I watched Tom Atkins throughout the years, but you know, and he always plays a cop. But uh, as far as like horror cops, I I grew up with John Saxon, you know, and he'll always be a favorite of mine. And, and you know, that's kind well, of there's I, a lot I, more to watch with him in it, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say that, like, um, compared to a film like Nightmare on Elm Street, John Saxon has a bigger role in this than the Nightmare. <clears throat> Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. At least on the same scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be at least, if not a bigger role, but at, at least as big a role as he had on A Nightmare Now. I just watched that the other night, actually. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Actually, I was breaking into the classics, so I figured I'd pour that one out. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. I mean, John Saxon's characters kind of blur together like one horror cop could be, you know, considered another. I mean, he's basically the same character in, in every movie. But uh, He don't even remember half the movies he was in, so... Oh really? Yeah, there's like he's been asked and stuff in interviews like about these certain movies, and he's like, uh, uh, like he can't even recall it. Like he's he's been in so many movies and so many things. That yeah, he's, Ital- like, really? he's been in a lot of Italian cinema. He's like, too. I was in that movie. Like, hmm. yeah. So, well, know, he had a lot of bit hard. roles too, as well in films. So I can see why he wouldn't remember. He's just waiting for the paycheck to come in, which I can't blame well, the guy. Exactly. 
the guy the guy made a lot of movies he made a lot of money and he probably pulled a lot of wool in his day so definitely my, definitely. my hats go off to john saxton yes big ups to john saxton and uh you know i highly recommend this film if you haven't seen it um you know a lot of people talk shit but uh Give it a couple viewings. Uh, similar to uh, Last House on Dead End Street, you might not get into it the first viewing. I know I didn't get into it the first viewing. It wasn't because of the plot. It was mainly because of my print. I had, I was just, it was just um, a chore to see what's going on in the dark. Because, man, my print looks like shit, dude. <laughs> I got a boss print. Anyone needs, uh, link, link me up. I'll uh, shoot one out to you on a trade or something. But yeah, I highly recommend this film. Like this is cinematic gold to me. I. I love Blood Beach, man. It was like one of the first movies when we first bought our VHS back in the day that I used to rent all the time. So oh, wow, yeah. It's got lots of fond memories. That's why I've, That's why I'm fanatical. I got like the two one-sheet posters for it. and Fuck yeah, Blood Beach kicks ass. I don't know. A lot of people might say it's just a shitty B-horror movie, like a B-monster movie, but I don't know. It's like, it's like fucking Burt Young's character. I get a kick out of that. Just a lot of good stuff going on. It's just a fun movie to watch. And it's uh, not above something that you could let your kids watch. Yeah, I mean, other than, you know, a few minor little gore scenes, I could see this getting a PG-13 rating nowadays and definitely being, like, a kid-friendly horror movie. <clears throat> I know, I sure liked it when I was young, so. Yeah, I always wondered why you had always, like, you know, went out on, you know, uh, to, like, you know, talk such great things about this film because, like, like I said, the first time I seen it, I was like, eee, it's all right. But, uh, you know, now now that I look at it, I'm like, I'm scratching my head wondering why the fuck this doesn't have a DVD release. I mean, John Saxon, Burt Young, I mean, that's gold. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And Jeffrey Bloom, he's a good writer, he's a good director, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. I highly recommend, if you can uh, find the VHS copy of, of it or anything, send it to me, because I don't have one, but I got a DVD. Yeah. I'll trade you. If someone want to send me a VHS, I'll send you a DVD copy. Well, I think we, we, were, we were talking about this earlier, that this possibly may have been, when I was looking around, may have been released in Europe somewhere, and you said you thought that that was the print you might have, because it's cleaned up, right, a little bit? Mm -hmm. well, it's, got, it's got like a, a menu and stuff on it. It's set up pretty good. If it was a, if it was someone's bootleg, they did a really good job on it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, guys, if you can track it down, I'm sure you can. I was looking on Amazon and uh, uh, VHS copies. Of this we're going for like eight bucks, so it's it's pretty inexpensive uh, to pick up, and uh, I'm sure you run across it in you know mom and shop going out of mom and shop pop uh going out of business you know <laughs> mom and pop shops going out of business it's like a tongue yeah. twister eh? <clears throat> see yeah, it, say it three times <laughs> no no thanks <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i'm sure you could pick this up on the cheap uh 10 cent bin you know somewhere Word? Sure. i don't know Fuck. man like the yeah, I think you're talking i think you're talking shit man i've never been able to find a VHS copy of it yet. Well, they're going like, for pretty cheap on Amazon, so I figured that this, there's, you know, it's not hardcore rare. Mm. I got, like, a couple thousand tapes, and I haven't come across one yet. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Well, uh... It's like my unicorn. I'm, is I'm it looking really? for it. Kind well, of. Well, maybe I'll... On VHS, anyway. Maybe I'll try to pick you up a copy and uh, send it your way, bud. Yeah. So... Well, that's the VHS vault, folks. We're going to jump into another little uh, 
quick commercial break, and uh, we'll be back to roll the show out. So uh, keep it locked, of course. You're listening to the greasiest podcast on the internet. That is Exploited Cinema. Cinema, cinema. (laughs) Pretty, isn't it? The beaches of L.A., playground of America. Until this beach turned into a living nightmare. You said creature. Why did you use that word? I don't know. What would you call it? Blood Beach, man. Yeah, right on. Blood Beach. The beach is a weird beach for us cops. You've got the kids, the old people, the street fiddlers, those singles, uh... The crazies all lost in their own world. There was every form of human life on this beach. Mattress Bermudas. Bleeding mattress. They were kind of old, but, you know, they were his favorite pair. They were still in good condition. But under the beach, there was this, I don't know, this horrible thing. And we still haven't figured it out. What the hell are we looking for? I don't know. But maybe if we dig deep enough, we'll find out. We police always look for the obvious, but this wasn't normal. Nah, not even for California. Doctors figure that there's been considerable brain damage. How considerable? Vegetable soup. When something like this is chasing you, you hope you find it before it finds you. If it's human, or even if it's animal, it's got to have a place to go back to. Kind of sad the way things have changed, huh, Mr. Sullivan? any hope we didn't have it we didn't know a damn thing it's when you thought it was safe to go back in the water you can't get to it there comes a time when you throw out all the rules and you make your move blood beach it's an okay place to visit but I wouldn't want to die there. I got you! Blood Beach. David Huffman, Mariana Hill, John Saxon, and Brooke Young as Lieutenant Boyko. Blood Beach. Where the water may be the safest place to be.
Hey, welcome back to Exploited Cinema, everyone. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, this episode's VHS Vault. I know I did. Blood Beach, man. It's one of my favorites. It's a long but time yeah, we're, coming. Mm. Oh, hell yeah. I've been wanting to talk Blood Beach since back in the Furox days. I could just uh, never could twist Tony's arm enough to do it because uh, he just wasn't a fan of the Blood Beach. Yeah, Tony, lot, lot Tony needs aren't. to give it a, a second or third viewing because I think Hell it takes yeah. a second viewing, you know? It's gold. <clears throat> yeah, no, I had a lot of fun talking about that. And like I like uh, Exploited was a blast. One of our most, uh, one of our more deprived, I guess, uh, Exploited so far. Like we got some you mean obscure? Or obscure, yeah. <laughs> uh, stuttering, fuck. That's all right. This show's been a hell of a fucking process to put together. It has been, man. Like, uh, I guess we could share that with the listeners in case they've wondered why it sounded maybe kind of sketchy. And and the show was a little late again going up, too, as well. Mm-hmm. We've been working on it for, what, four days now? Yeah, basically, uh, with with my connection problems, basically, uh, I don't know if I've said this in the past, but I, I'm basically piggybacking off somebody else's connection. And uh, up till now, we've... pirate is... <laughs> Um, up till now, it's been no problem, but uh, this this week has been just a uh, hell for me as far as getting a good connection. And not only that, but the night we had planned it was um, Thursday, last Thursday, and we were both battling a major snowstorm, and both of us being northerners, and you were a little bit further up north. But uh, yeah, yeah, massive snow on both ends, though. Yeah, mm-hmm, massive snowstorms. <clears throat> Well, that and your neighbor must be surfing too much porn or something because you haven't been able to get a good solid signal. And yeah, it's been cutting in and out, and it's just been an ordeal. Like it took two days to shoot the intro and or to <laughs> record the intro, and right. fucking we're just lucky we managed to fucking bang the rest of it out today. But we've been working on it. Fucking we spent we put hours into this. We were at the point where we were gonna say fuck it, essay, and just fucking. Throw our computers against the wall and fucking go get drunk or something. Yeah. Fuck yeah. It was, it was it was a nightmare putting the show together. So hope you motherfuckers appreciate what we're going what we go through. Right. Exactly. I, I would have sooner had my balls electroshocked and fucking do this do this again the way we had to do it this time. Definitely, definitely, man. Yeah, I mean the show's a little late, but hey, you know, like we said last time, because uh, I know last episode was late. Uh, you know, better late than never, I guess. So, mm-hmm. most guys out there would have just said fuck it, and uh, nah, we're not gonna do that. We we want to give you guys an episode every two weeks, you know, one way or the other. So yeah, yeah, roughly every two weeks. Hey, hey, nobody's perfect, but we're not gonna give up on anyone. We're gonna get the show out there. If it might be a day or two late, well. What are you going to do? Technical difficulties. Like, I'm in Canada. You're in the U.S. Like, shit just don't always work. Like, it's not like we can get in the same room and bang the show out and then dub it. Like, we gotta, we gotta rely on Skype and Skype's kind of a cow cunt, so. Well, maybe someday we could, uh, maybe finally, uh, get together and actually do the show together. Maybe one of these days. I know we were talking about, uh, maybe getting together for, do a convention here. Have you come to the U.S. and, Come down mm-hmm. and maybe we'll do like a cinema wasteland or a horror hound or something like that and bring you guys mm-hmm. a show. That'd be fucking awesome. So, J Dog can grease across the border. Oh yeah, oh, yeah good times. Look out, yeah. America! Anything else you want to drop? J Dog's yeah, coming to the U.S. <laughs> yeah, hide your titties and beer. So, um, you had a few plugs though that you wanted to throw out. 
Oh, yeah. Like always, I just want to give a few shout-outs to my buddies. Like, uh, I know a lot of you guys, like, if you're like me and you're into the horror movies and the exploitative movies and all that stuff, uh, you probably rock some T-shirts that you like to show off to your buddies. So why not buy them from T-Shirt Joe? Like, I know I got a closet full of them. And like, he's he's coming up with new designs all the time. Like, where else can you get a Boss Nigger T-shirt and a water, water power, power yeah all, all these great exploit like exploitation titles and stuff so i don't know in case any of you guys haven't heard of them check them out at www.fastcustomshirts.com like fucking cheap shirts too like 10 15 bucks like where are you gonna find that like i don't know i'm always giving joe like uh i like to give him free shout outs and free publicity because like fuck he's hooked me up with many mad deals on shirts and he made the fur ox shirt and stand-up guy man like if you see him at conventions like fill your closet man because you can probably get three of his shirts for the price well you get four of his shirts for the price of two other ones guaranteed yeah he's definitely by far the cheapest uh horror and exploitation t-shirt producer on the net i think as far as that Mm -hmm. goes so yeah, definitely check him out, and um, there's also... Solid selection, too. Yeah, he's he's got a massive selection. He also does, like, sports uh, team t-shirts, and pretty much if you have a t-shirt idea that you, you need done up, he'll, he'll do it up for you for probably very low cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, solid guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, don't fuck with Joe, because uh, he's in relation to Brett the Hitman Hart, so he'll twist you up. Yeah, he'll put a sharpshooter on your ass. Word up. Man, I just wanted to throw it out there. Everyone go check out Joe at www.fastcustomshirts.com. I'll just throw it out there again for you. Yeah, and then also there's a link. Um, again, I've mentioned it before. I have a little uh, oh, yeah. changing banner on the website, and uh, there's a link there, too. So I think there's a couple links on the page there on uh, the blog, the Blogspot website. And, uh, hell, I don't know. We'll, I'll probably just throw a, a quick link on the Facebook page as well, too. Yeah. Make it even <laughs> yeah. easier. So. Oh, shit, yeah. No, I just wanted to give Joe some free publicity because I seen on his Facebook that someone sent him a message, like, saying that they'd uh, exchange, like, uh, good good press for him in exchange for some free T-shirts. And I thought that was pretty sleazy and greasy. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty sleazy. I read that earlier, and... Uh... Yeah. You know, Joe. Joe put like I, I bought shirts from Joe, and uh, he doesn't. He doesn't need some fucking jackass from wherever to throw him good reviews. I mean, the the, the t-shirt quality speaks for itself. Go on his website, check exactly. it out. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't need uh, free shirts to say that they're good because I wear them every day. Like, yeah, it's fucking. If it wasn't for Joe, I'd be walking around topless, and it's fucking mighty cold in Canada. Like, oh, I don't, I don't yeah. want to be doing that. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, did you have any other plugs or? Ah, that's about all I wanted to jab, really. You know what? Before I forget, um, we did talk about a where we got a lot of our facts and whatnot for uh, Last House on the Dead End Street. We're going to post a uh, link to a seven-part video from was it the 2000 Cinema Wasteland? I think it was 2000 or 2000. It was right after the D. It was the day of the DVD release, so I think 2001. Mm-hmm. And it's a seven-part video uh, with uh, director Roger Watkins, and we're going to post it on the Facebook page. And uh, definitely check that out. Uh, Roger Watkins, uh, I think he passed away in 03. I'm not sure, 03 or 05, sadly. He passed away and wasn't able to spread more grease. But uh, 07, I thought he died. Oh, it was 07? Okay, my bad. Uh, yeah. 
But uh, we're going to put that up on the Facebook page and definitely go check it out. It's very informative. Oh, fuck, he's a cool guy, man. He's he's cool cat, man. That's awesome. That's got some good entertainment. So I know if you guys like, well, obviously, if you're listening to our podcast, you dig this interview. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I highly suggest you go to the Facebook page and uh, give that shit a watch. Like, well, it's, it's going to take a while. Like, make sure you got about an hour, hour of your time, but definitely worth what you're going to get out of it. Yeah, he goes and talks about, like, because he was also a porn director, too, as well, uh, like most exploitation directors of his time. And uh, he goes yeah. into a lot of uh, chatter about uh, his porn career. And there's also, he's not the only one that's in the interview. The guy who played Bill, the um, cinematographer in the film, he's there, too, as well. Yeah, amputee Grand Prix star Bill, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, like he's he's like uh, Roger Watkins, really charismatic and fucking really entertaining guy, like really funny guy. So really good interview. I think it's uh, well worth your time. I highly recommend it. Yeah, definitely. And and because the Barrel Entertainment DVD is like so out of print, like I've never even seen one going on like Amazon or anything like that. So uh, you know, this would be a great little. Uh, uh, piece to go along with your dvd if you've got a dvd rip of it like we do you know um to check out it's because it's very informative mm-hmm. fucking a yeah that's about all i got yeah that's all i got too and uh again uh you know because of technical problems uh, the show was up late but uh it, you know it's coming to you and uh you know every two weeks uh on Saturdays, usually the show is up, and uh, you can get the link from, if you're coming from Facebook, uh, we post links on the mm-hmm. Facebook page, and uh, for anyone that's not aware of what the official website is, it's exploitedcinema.blogspot.com. Another thing I wanted to mention was, uh, please send us some more questions, guys. Like I know Derek West and, and Greg May, they hit us up um, occasionally, and that's great, guys. Keep mm-hmm. sending in the, the fan questions, but we really want more. Yeah, yeah. we need some more input. Uh, I know, like, uh, Erica from the U.K. was wondering when our shows come up and stuff, too, so maybe we'll start posting them a few days in advance, like uh, kind of maybe send out a message on the Facebook group page that the new show is coming, maybe with the flyer or what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like maybe we'll do that four days in advance or something so we can give you, give you guys a heads up so you know when the show is going to drop. Definitely. Because I know she was asking if we had a newsletter, and, well, no, we're not we're not that high tech, but we'll send you a message on Facebook and let you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, as far as the show and everything, we're going to keep on rocking it out, you know, even if uh, we run into some more technical difficulties. I'm going to try to get a better Internet uh, connection set up. And uh, we've got a lot of stuff planned. We're trying to get interviews. Uh, We've been working on it. Uh, We had a couple interviews that were confirmed, but uh, because of technical problems as far as Skype, because a lot of of these guys, you know, a lot of these uh, B-movie stars and stuff, they're not they're not on Skype. They're not super, you know, you got a lot of older guys. They're not super tech savvy mm-hmm. and we we do most of our work on Skype. So, we're trying to bring you some awesome interviews here uh for 2011 and uh, you know, hopefully wow. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say I like to believe that we're entertaining enough that we don't need to bring bonus and we might have the return of uh of internet uh Another internet celebrity may be coming back in the near future, too. So, Exploited <laughs> Cinema's got all kinds of greasy things up, up our sleeve. Like, 
Our sleeves are so greasy, we're having a hard time keeping these things up our sleeve, actually, because they keep sliding down. <laughs> definitely, definitely, yeah. bud. Yeah, so um, thanks for tuning in again, and uh, we'll be back in two weeks with something. I don't know exactly what. I'm sure we'll figure it out uh, by then. Yeah, we'll sure. slap something together. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have DVDs sent out, and uh, we'll be able to f- bring you some more shit and obscure and VHS vault and... Uh, yeah. Slap together an exploited sandwich and bring it out to you, uh, the listeners, for your enjoyment. Mm-hmm. With or without the crust. Yeah, it's your choice. Mm-hmm. Mayo. Yep. mayo yeah. I make it myself, so you might like it. Yeah, definitely. So with that said, we're going to roll out. And uh, J-Dog, why don't you tell the listeners what they've been listening to if they already don't know. If you don't know, well, then I ain't telling you, but uh, <laughs> you're listening to Exploited Cinema. Thank you.